This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. And then you're like, are you really, is this really worth $1,000? Because I have no idea, because the pre-release is happening right now. But this card has been out for exactly a day. So, like, would you sell it for $1,000? And they're like, nah, nah, it's just in there. Like, well, it's not a trade binder. It's a fucking art gallery. Get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> you know, like, fuck. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Anything that costs a shit ton of mana, you're just like, bang! And you're like, fuck! How does that go? Bang! Fuck! <laughs> Jay Boosh. And that's like the hyper angle. I never want to play in another GP again. I, want to, I never, ever want to play in another GP. Jeremy. And you're the reason I play Magic today. I'm like, I just like, I die. I died. I was like, like just melting on the inside like that. I have inspired this kid to play magic. And Matt. So I'm having this conversation with this guy in Chile about my deck. And then I'm getting pizza from a guy in Canada. Like magic is fucking weird. And now the A-Team. So welcome to episode 274. Yes, 274 of the A-Team podcast. Yes, this is the A-Team podcast. It's not drive to work. So, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you were looking for drive to work, uh, I don't... We don't have enough energy between the three of us for that. Is, it high, so. is that a high-energy show? It's well, Mark it's, Rosewater, man. The dude is like... Hey, I like to design magic cards! Well, you do yeah, like I, to design magic cards, Jay. Yes, true. Yes. I don't know, I'm maybe I'm you actually, could I'm trying to design a magic card right now. All right. Hey, jump right make in. A card. Let's make a magic Let's card real quick. Jump Right in. Let's make a magic card. Okay. So I am trying to make an enchantment. Oh, God. That is for... Would that be, like, good for, like, your, like, white weenie type deck, maybe? Or, like, a finisher? Like, for white weenie kind of thing? You know what I'm saying? Okay, so you want it to be white. Yeah. But also, like, that's... Like, it's not like an O-ring, and it's not like a... You know, it's like... It's like a, it's like a crusade, but we have lots of those. So what I thought is maybe I would make it like modal, like uh, like Cryptic Command. So it's a Nintendo themed Commander set. So command, remember, it's Commander. Okay. Okay. Be a little bit more powerful, a little bit slower mm-hmm. format, but uh, it's Commander and it's Nintendo themed. So I called it Game Genie. I made it the Game Genie. So you're Gee, that seems like it would be really powerful. It's pretty powerful. So this is the card that I came up with. Now, I don't know how crazy it is, if it's good, if it's bad, if it's cool, if it's, you know, divergent. I'm not sure. Question. Why, would, it, why would a game genie that focuses on cheating yeah. and codes and stuff, why would that be white? Well, because it's not so much that it's white. I mean, like, good, like, because white kids... Gives you godlike powers? Yeah, and mostly because white people could afford it. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, it was an expensive accessory. You know, 
I mean, this is just science. All right, Jay Bush's opinions do not reflect those of Matt <laughs> yeah, Mendoza, Jeremy Schofield, KYT, or the A-Team. KYT, don't say anything. Don't yeah. say anything. It's don't okay. Anything. We got this. Don't say fuck. You'll get fired. So, um, yeah, so I made a game, Genie, and I'm trying to make it, like, uh, I'm trying to figure out the cost, and I don't even know if this ability is good. I feel like it's, like, pretty fucking unpowerful, so if you make it a real magic card cost, then it's going to be, like, so nerfed that it becomes a bad card. So maybe we change it. Maybe we don't. Game Genie. When Game Genie enters the battlefield, choose two. And then there are six options. All of them are creatures you control gain. And they go flying, first strike, lifelink, skulk, indestructible, and vigilant. Choose two. Okay. Huh. So I'm thinking, like, it's a finisher. Right Right now, I had it costing four, which I realized is not, like, that's crazy. So I had it cost three, yeah. like, true conviction. Or sorry, six, like, true conviction. It's, uh, it's three colorless. And three white. So it's not like it's easy to cast. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it is pretty powerful. You know, if you have like two or three or four guys, like giving them, say, flying lifelink or flying indestructible or vigilance indestructible, like that's pretty powerful. But I don't know if this, like, would you even play this? Like, is this, like, is six mana too much in a fucking white weenie deck even, though? Like, don't you want to... I think six mana is too much, but I think that the way that you make it cost five and a half is to stick with that three white. Right, so two and triple white. Yeah. If you really want this to be a white card, right? Right, right. And the fact that it chooses, like, these different abilities is kind of cool. Um, I like the choose aspect of it. It's a very complicated card, so it needs to be out of, like, a rare or mythic slot. Yeah, I was thinking rare because it's not, like, it's not overly complex, like, part yeah. itself, but it's complex in that you have to make complex decisions with it in, in that if you choose poorly, like, this card could just be, like, really kind of nothing, but if you choose well, then it could win you the game kind of thing. You have to actually think about what you're doing with it. It's not just, like, slam it and win. Yeah. I think that with the name of it being the Game Genie alone and just how, like, much of an impact that should have on the whole thing of, like, classic NES, I think it's got to be a Mythic just from flavor. And you'll see cards like that where you wonder why they're Mythic, but, like, maybe they're big storyline characters or there's something just obscene type thing like that, and I think that's where this falls. Right. Hmm, okay. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I'm just trying to think of the way a way to make the... Ability is more white. I don't foresee Skulk, for example, as being a white sort of That's very ability. ability. I I would like... Go ahead. I think that you could possibly maybe choose to give your creatures plus one, plus zero, or something something along those lines. Yeah. Like, I felt like Skulk, Skulk is not white in that it's been in one set and none of the cards that had it white. But I feel like it's like a new enough ability that like, I feel like Skulk could be an evergreen ability eventually. Because, to me, flavorfully, it's it's like, it's sneaky little guys finding ways through your defense. So it's not so much about like give me your flavor in like black-blue and, like, assassination and stuff. To me, it was more of just, like, it was more of, like, sneaky, small stuff. Okay, that makes sense. I mean... So that's why I picked it for white. Like, that's kind of yeah. why I picked it for this card. But I can understand why it doesn't feel white because, you know, all of the all of the cards we've seen it on so far is, like, 
more of like a almost like a it's it's very similar to like intimidate I feel. So skulk and intimidate are kind of misnamed. Yeah. As because skulk doesn't sound like a white ability because you know white creatures don't typically skulk. Although I do have to say, you know, Amru Kifkin is the first creature like in the uh in the manner that you mentioned where they're little creatures that just kind of sneak around. Yeah. Amru Kifkin, the original, you know, can't be blocked except by creatures or can't be blocked by creatures with power three or greater, she has the original Skulk ability. Yeah, yeah. Like Skulk flavor anyway. And not that's exactly the ability. Like, but... To me that's kinda of what Skulk was more so. Like like Skulk was more of like a flavorfully to me it just seemed like it should have been more of like a white weenie ability um you know as opposed to like pumping up the white weenies like righteousness and making them stronger through conviction and like they're like triumphant i figured like it was more of like um more of like a david and goliath story you know like our ability like where you're up against these big fatties or these scary demons or these you know, fire-breathing dragon, but you have to figure out a way, like, to, like, to exploit their weaknesses and, like, use their size against them and be sneaky. And not necessarily sneaky in, like, a, in, like, an assassin or, like, a underhanded or a back alley way, but more of just, like, use your, like, sacrifice your, your queen to take, you know, a bishop, even though it seems like a bad trade, but you're, like, trapping them, like David and Goliath, you know, like, you had to be smarter than your big bad bad guy, you know? Or like Luke versus Vader, right? Like Vader is like this all powerful, just grave titan, intimidate, like huge dude. And Luke is like so mediocre compared to him in the film. But like he has to and like or like Obi Wan, you know, Obi Wan could probably fight, you know, Darth Vader at least a little bit, but he like he he like sneaks around to deactivate the tractor beam. He could have just they could have just gone in there with a whole bunch of rebels and pump them up with crusade and you know, but they went in all sneaky and it wasn't like an evil, you know, skulky, intimidating sneaky. It was more of like a, you know, it was more of like a skulking sneaky smart. I saw something on Reddit that was a wonderful sidetrack to your whole like comment about the the Death Star thing, yeah. like about how convenient it was that on a moon-sized space station, that all the shit was in walking distance of the hangar. Yeah, that they landed directly on the perfect hangar. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the hangars they could have landed on, they picked the right one. Yeah, it was pretty pretty convenient. They didn't even get to pick it. It was like the enemy's like, bring them to our weakness <laughs> hangar. Well, you know what? And to be fair, maybe they, uh, they were just being really arrogant. Because that's yes. a common thing with the dark side. Arrogance. Arrogance. Like, oh yeah, we'll bring you to the we'll bring you right to the core because we know there's no way you can blow it up because we're so you know much I think that arrogance is missing in the Force Awakens. Uh no, actually if you watch um there's a new video that I just watched where it shows how Kylo Ren because you know how like a big criticism of spoiler alert, update spoiler alert. If you haven't seen The Force of... La, 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 spoiler alert. You shouldn't just really even be listening to this show, because that is... That's provoked. But, uh... They showed how... Like, there were a big complaint in The Force of Awakens was how Kylo Ren 
was able to be defeated by basically someone who was like maybe force sensitive in Ray, uh, because there's all this like speculation about what she really is, and and by like a fucking stormtrooper in Finn. But really, uh, then there's this. I'll I'll actually I'll find you the link. There's uh there's this really great like side by side comparison that somebody did where um it shows mostly that Kylo Ren is like basically playing with his food in that he is so arrogant and so cocky that he is not he's not trying to kill Ray and he's not trying to kill Finn by just like murdering them. This is not a it's not a time where he's gonna just kill them. His that's not his goal. His goal is to um basically toy with his food and make them fear him and feel like despair and get trapped. And and actually I hadn't realized this and it's kind of embarrassing to say it out loud as a Star Wars nerd, but if you watch the Je- uh, the um the lightsaber battle in Jedi uh and in uh Empire Strikes Back between Luke and Vader, it's basically a shot for shot remake. But also like Vader was if you watch it under this pretense, you notice that Vader was never trying to kill Luke. He was basically he was it's basically he was very defensive. Yeah, it's it's and it's very similar to like when Dad is playing soccer with you, you know? Yeah. Like, Dad could just fucking push you over, shoot the ball as hard as he could at your face, and score a thousand goals. But he's not. But he doesn't want to just let you win so obviously. He's gotta make it a little fun, you know? And that's if you watch these scenes, it's fucking mind blowing if they did that on purpose. And it's so it's so coincidental that I feel like that they had to have done it on like JJ Abrams did this on purpose. I think that's bad. Hmm. So uh yeah. But Okay, to go to that arrogance, but, like, there's other arrogance where it's, like, them admitting their weaknesses, like, him talking about, like, how he still is, like, having a difficult time dealing with the fact that he was good in his family and all that kind of stuff, and how he wasn't going to let it keep him down, but, like, the fact that he even admitted that that was potentially an issue, like, that was, like, the arrogance that wasn't there before, you know? Yeah. Or the, the lack of arrogance that wasn't there before, so. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But magic cards. Magic cards, though. Do you think that the Skulk mechanic should have been named Stealth? No. I think Skulk is a more flavorful name. Like, then Stealth? Stealth is, like, Stealthy, maybe, would be a better name than than Stealth. But I think Skulk is very flavorful in what they're trying to convey from top-down design, flavor-wise, of these tiny, like, homunculi skulking around. But, uh, yeah, like goblins, yeah. like all these like annoying pests, but not like creatures. Like you know, they're dealt with like in these smaller names. That's why I don't think you're going to see it in white no. because I think yeah, it is right. like it's the evil characters kind of in the background who aren't you know really worthy of your attention. Yeah, you know like you got to focus it's, on the big guy. Uh, these are the henchmen. It's all yeah. It's all the henchmen from all the Disney movies. Like in Hercules, yeah. it's Pain and the other guy's fucking Panic. Like painted panic, you know? The little wiener kids that are running around, like, doing stuff and screwing shit up and not really ever. Like, they're not really going to kill Hercules ever. But you know what? They're going to try every time and they're going to be pretty fucking annoying. That's, that's what the Skulk is. But to me, I just, I, I liked it more as, like, a, 
I don't know. To me, it just felt like it could have been like a like a white weenie mechanic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I felt like it would have been so good on like a, a one one flyer or a two one flyer. You know, like a like a two one flyer is pretty good if like all of a sudden if it has. Well, the one thing I like about it is like the unintentional effect that white has the ability to defend itself against skulk. Yeah. You know, like a defensive color, a color that's, you know, got this defensive uh, line to it. It's the best one to deal with skulk. Yeah, you're right. That's true. And I think that that's kind of a really neat way to kind of uh, go at it, too. So, I I don't know. I I understand. The verdict that you guys don't like skulk on. Yeah, I, 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 with, 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 uh, with Mendoza bringing it up, yeah, I can get behind not having Skulk on that Game Genie. Although that would be super cheating, and super cheating is what the Game Genie's all about. Yeah, I was just about to get to that. Yeah. But are we designing a set, or are we designing super cheating? Well, I mean, I'm designing a set, but it's, I mean, somebody made a really good point one time where, like, all magic cards break the rules. Every magic Yeah, but, like, that, that gold border breaks the rules. That gold border. Like, yeah, like everything breaks the rules, but it breaks the rules in predictable ways. Whereas, like, if something breaks the rules way too much, it has to be an entire theme of the set where we saw it with time shifted, or right. it has to be gold bordered in like an unset. Right. Yeah. You know, and like that might yeah. just cross the line far okay, too far. Okay, so we don't like skulls, but what would you replace it with? So, what are the five ab- other abilities? Flying, first strike, lifelink, indestructible, vigilance. The other reason that Skulk was on here is because I couldn't really think of a sixth white ability. Plus zero, plus one? Yeah, but like nah. I was trying to stay... Indestructible and plus zero, plus one, no point. Uh, yeah, I was trying to... That's, that's one thing. I was also trying to stay away from plus minus modification. Um, or, sorry, power... Little bit... Yeah. Uh, hmm. Like Shadow, maybe? No, because Shadow and Flying are redundant. That's true, yeah. Double strike? Maybe just have five abilities on it instead of yeah. the whole full six. Five instead of six. So that seems like a lazy way to fix this card. Uh, creatures are able to block an additional creature or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's a weird defensive yeah, ability. Yeah, that's pretty white. There's lots of white. Sometimes you see like things like hundred-handed one that have reach. Yeah, really. Like honestly, if I'm playing that card, I'm probably going to be vigilance indestructible or lifeless. Or lifelink, like, yeah. Lifelink is pretty strong late in the game, like at turn five kind of thing. When you like, when you alpha them, and then you like have like a twelve point or like a like a fifteen point life swing, like that's pr- like a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. Like even lifelink indestructible, and then just alpha you gain ten, go. Like that basically just means that I'm fogging you every turn, but you also have to leave blockers. Yeah. Right. But I don't, yeah, I guess like, like indestructible. Yeah, you don't really care if they're swinging back. Yeah, like so it's it, so that's what I mean. Like it's like it, there's there's I mean there's some decisions. Maybe we just make it five. I mean it costs five. That's a nice. Um, yeah. And that's a nice. Yeah. Like uh, a nice what's it called? Like uh, sim sim. No, symmetry. 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 Yeah, that's a nice symmetry. Cost five. Gives you five ability. Yeah. So what else oh, like, have you got? For the uh, set. Oh, I have do, we, do we want to do another card? I don't want to do another card. No, 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 no. Let's not do another we card. We did our card for the episode. We did the card for. Maybe we'll go back to another card. Yeah, okay. 
What do you think, KYT? Ah, don't worry about it, KYT. Don't worry about it. We know what you um, think. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jay, anything other, anything, uh, other magic-related in your world? Uh, oh, I sold some magic cards uh, for some money so I could get more to GP Tyrannic. So how, how was your first experience buying and selling magic cards? Oh, it was it was both great and terrible. It was great because I sold some magic cards for like a hundred dollars. <laughs> like not I gave cardboard and got money. Yeah, I like I like sold a bunch of different magic cards and okay. I got a hundred dollars for a bunch of them. And I hope that the people that are buying them, like they bought a bunch of random stuff and I hope they get to use them and think that they're great. And I hope that they don't just plug dust on their computer desk like they were doing when I had them. Now, that was the good part, getting money for things that I could help people out with. That's always good. But it was kind of shitty because everybody was just telling me how much of a fucking dink I was for trying to sell magic cards at Canadian retail minus 20%. <laughs> right? So, like, first of all, I put, like, this is all in Canadian dollars, not U.S. dollars. And everybody was like, oh, my God, why would I pay retail for your stupid magic card? And then I was like, I actually don't know. I mean, I pay, like, I pay retail for my card. Let me, let me ask you something, Jay. How long, how long have you play, been playing Magic? I started in Conflux was when I, like, re-got it. Okay. Now, have you been a trader? Have you done much trading? Or do you just of, buy whatever you a, need? No, I did a lot of trading before MG Finance was a thing. And before, like, Pack the Power was a thing, and before, like, all this sharking happened, I used to do a lot of trading. And then I got really, people that have been listening to the show a long time will know this, I just got really sick of, like, binder grinders that were like, oh, uh, yeah, like, you're looking for, like, $12 cards, and I have, like, $11.50. So do you have, like, a 45 cent card you can throw in? And, like, I don't know. You looked at all of the magic cards I have. Do you want anything else? No, not really. So I guess we won't do the trade. Okay. Just fuck off. And then, like, I really got sick of guys that were trying to, like, fuck me over, too. Like, they'd look at your binder every FNM. And my binder didn't change because our FNMs are standard. And I don't buy mag Like, I don't buy packs of magic cards because that's the lowest EV on the planet. So, unless there was a pre release. Uh, so, every three months, which is every 12 FNMs. My binder really generally didn't change. So guys would look at it every FNM. And then if a card spiked, they'd be like, ooh, what do you want for this fucking, this like fucking soul flare? And I'd be like, I don't know, whatever it's worth. Like, what's it worth to you? And then they'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's like, oh, it's like, no, it's not very good. Like, I'm looking for it, like, deck or whatever, you know. And I'm like, all right, well, you want to just use like Star City? And like, oh, like, uh, I don't think, I mean, it's not really worth that. It's just like, like, it's like, it's like sharks. So I'm not really. And it's like, fuck you. Yes, you are. Like, you're trying to buy my shit for the old price so that you can take it to the other store or take it downstairs and sell it for the high price now because you're a piece of shit. So, fuck you. So, I just basically don't do any trade. I trade with stores now. Like, I take my shit to Phoenix. I give it to them. They give me whatever the value is minus whatever the percentage is. I don't even care. And then I buy, quote-unquote, cards from them with my trade credit. Okay, so that's how you primarily get cards now. Yeah, 
Yeah. Or you you basically go to a store and you buy them with cash. Uh yeah, but I very rarely do that because I work. Okay. Well, generally, so I, that's so that's how to, you. I try to turn my cards into, like, I try to take my old cards and turn them into cards whenever I. Okay. Follow up question: Do you personally have a thing against value trading or people who try to do it deceptively? Like, if somebody were to say, "Hey, I would like to trade with you," just so you know, I'm a you know semi-professional trader, or I do this as a part-time thing. Everything in my binder is for trade. I just ask for a little bit of value in return. Is that okay with you? I don't know what that means. What do you mean? You ask for value in return? Like I'm supposed to feel privileged that you're trading with? Me? Uh, no. It's more of a so there. There's like a different philosophy when it comes to being a binder grinder that's actually like above board and not trying to like rip you off or anything. Okay. It's basically saying that hey, I am devoting a lot of time and energy to cultivating a good trade binder that has a lot of things that a lot of different people needing need. I'm trying to be a service right. more so than just your random Jobin. Yeah. Because for example, you can come to me and if a card is in this binder, I will trade it to you for any card that you own. Right. Like it's, it's sort of, okay, uh, so it's here, sort of putting yourself into a position where, you, it's like dealing with the shop. Correct. You know, the shop's probably taking you for 20% on your trades. You know, like they're, they're giving you 80% value, 75% value. So they're eating 20 to 25%. All the binder grinder is saying is that I've got better selection than all the other Jobins in the hall, yeah. and I'm going to do it for 10% or 15%. Yeah, see, I don't have a problem with that, provided that... Like, and this, they tell you. My, yeah, and my experience with a lot of the guys that you're describing is that they're like super upfront, and they don't care about grinding value out of me. They're, they care about moving product. So they buy everything and they sell everything. They're not going to sit there and be like, oh, look at my, look at my fucking pre-release promo Ugin. And did you see the price sticker I put on there? I don't have any price stickers in my entire binder, but I put a price sticker on that one so that you knew that I was serious when I said it was $9.99 and 99 cents. <laughs> and then you're like, are you really, is this really worth $1,000? Because I have no idea because the pre-release is happening right now. But this card has been out for exactly a day. So, like, would you sell it for $1,000? And they're like, nah, no, nah, it's just in there. I'm like, well, then it's not a trade binder. It's a fucking art gallery. Get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> you know, like, fuck. So, so, like, I hate those guys. But most of them are not like that. Most of them are like, hey, man, you want to trade? They're, I, and I'm just like, I don't really want to trade with these guys. And they're like, well, okay, cool. Uh, Just so you know, like, Everything in my binders for trade, and I'm just looking for everything I can get. Because I'll, I'll often say, I'll say, like, what are you looking for? Because, like, I only trade stuff. Like, I only play cubes. So the only tradable stuff I have is stuff that's coming in and out of the cube. I don't have bulk. I don't have, you know, I didn't buy 40 wingmate rocks when they were 2 bucks, and now they're 15 Like, I don't have any of that stuff. You're not going to find it. So I don't want to waste your time either. And I don't want to waste my time looking at your $100 foil flip cases that I'm not going to be able to trade my infinite two dollar foil trilands up to right and they just say like no no i'm looking for everything and if you find anything whatever value is the same i don't care it's like not a big deal and they they treat it like a commodity right that's fine i don't mind that at all um and i don't mind trading up although it's very difficult i find it in in my experience in real life i find it difficult to bridge that gap it's kind of like the friend the friend you know like i'm an electrician so yeah. if Jeremy asked me to come over to his house to fix an outlet, 
I would do that. But I would expect that Jeremy is going to pay me in some fashion. Yeah, I'm going to buy him right? pizza and beer at the and very least. And Jeremy's going to expect that I'm going to give him a discount. Where it comes into a problem is when Jeremy doesn't pay me anything. And now I have to ask Jeremy to pay me something, and the work's already done. And now it's, like, super awkward. And I feel like that's the time when trading up gets really awkward. Like, if you take a thousand ten cent cards from me, that's still a significant amount of money in terms of if we're valuing cardboard. If we're just talking about cardboard that has a value, that's still a significant amount of money. But is a thousand ten cent card the same as one hundred dollar foil flip case? Right? And, or do you trade up some of that value? And like so if you're upfront about it, great. If you are trying to weasel me at the end of the trade and I have like a hundred of your cards out of your binder and you have like five of my cards out of my binder and you're trying to like or vice versa and you're trying to like you're trying to like, I don't know, now you're trying to shyster like used car salesman me. I'm just like, no, goodbye. Like, you lost your trade. I don't have the patience for that. And to be fair, they probably, like, most of those guys are walking away going, like, oh, this guy's such a noob. And I don't care at all. I don't give a shit. See, I think that those sharks are really starting to die off because of, like, the way people trade now, the fact that you can look up Star City on your phone. Like, these were all yeah. things that didn't exist before. Yeah. The last time, I remember, the last time I actually traded in a shark pit was my very first uh, Grand Prix, uh, Grand Prix Salt Lake City, and I remember going in there, and Buddy wanted to trade a judge, like, Delta off of me, and he's like, oh, well, you know, since it's, it's, it's a promo foil, it's not worth as much. Yeah. You know, like, and he was trying stuff like yeah. that, and then he was, like, trying to get, like, I mean, I don't... Uh, Judge Foil stifles out of me, and he was telling me that they were worth, like, 10 bucks a piece, and, like, yeah. he was just, he was just relentless. Everything he tried to screw yeah. me out of, like, he saw a quarter, and he's like, oh, that's worth 15 cents, you yeah. know, like... Well, and, like, I don't see as much of that as much, but I still see lots of kids getting, and, like, not even just kids, but just, like, new players getting ripped off out of, yeah. like, expeditions. Like Expeditions, oh, yeah. Expeditions is a great promo. It it really is a I I'm I'm in favor of like the prize at the bottom of my cereal box. Um yeah. but I feel like you should be putting an advertisement in every pack that has an expedition that just said like just a little tiny piece of paper that just says this card's worth money. A lot of money. Do not give yeah. this away because you like fucking Zozu or like Fucking, you thought that Skin Shifter is a really cool green card, and he has a foil one. Like, because people still do that, and it's a pre-release, and so you know you don't see a lot of that. I still see a lot of binder grinding, and by binder grinding, I mean the guys that are like, I'm like, hey, do you, like they're like, hey, you want to trade? And I'm like, sure. And I look at their binder, and it's all foil Lily, foil Jace, foil uh, Triskaidekaphobia, foil. It's all just it's all, and they just go out at like the day of, and they get all the foil planeswalkers, all the foil mythics, foil all everything, foil everything that's in standard, right? You could build, you could yeah. build the gauntlet out of their binder, right? And then what they do is you're like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Like I need a foil lily because modern tournament's coming up, and they're like, oh yeah, Star City has that at this exact price. And then you give them your binder, and then they like pick out all of the exact price. And then they tell you, like, well, you know, you're trading them both. So, or, like, like they're valuing, say, Lily. I don't know the price of 
but let's say it's a hundred dollars. So they're valuing Lily at a hundred and they pick out $99 worth of stuff. And then they tell you that they don't want to do the trade unless they get a dollar. And it's just like, well, like, fuck you then. Like, that's like when someone comes to try to buy your house. Like when we tried to buy our house, we said, we'll pay full asking what you're asking, but we want you to leave every fucking appliance in the house. I'm not buying a brand new house and then going out to buy a bunch of fucking appliances. And they said, no. And we said, fuck you. Then sell your house to someone else, shithead. And they said, okay, we'll buy it. Like, that's fine. I was like, you're moving to fucking Saskatchewan. You're going to take your fucking shitty washer and dryer with you? It's not like your washer and dryer has a fucking blowjob machine in it. It's like a middle-of-the-line base, probably close to base model. Do they have those? Like, that's why Jay wanted it. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, this stays in. It's, it's, yeah, it's middle-of-the-line right? blowjob <laughs> yeah, dryer, I'm but... You can hire up the blowjob modification, but... <laughs> But that's why every time we do the podcast, you guys can hear laundry in the background. It's not really laundry. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You just, like, just running the flashlight, yeah, just going yeah. full steam? <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like if you're looking at a 400, like, someone's trying to jerk around, like, one of my buddies right now, where they're like, they want to buy his house, but they're trying to, like, lowball him because his panel is, is, um, is, like, a little older, right? Which is fair. And he's like, hey, man, you're an electrician. How much does it cost to do a panel upgrade? And I'm like, I don't know, at the high end, say at the very highest I could ever see is like $5,000. And he's like, yeah, they're trying to lowball me like 50 Gs on my house for a $5,000 panel. And it's like, you know what? Fine. Fuck you. Don't buy it then. Move on. Like, I, and I hate people that do that, where they're like, you know, oh, this $100 magic card, you, on, you only have $99 for the stuff I want. So did you give me a dollar? Like, no. Fuck off. You got this Liliana for fifteen dollars at free, or you got it for thirty dollars a month later, or you got it for fifty dollars a month after that. But you sure as fuck didn't pay retail for it, because according to Twitter, where this whole story started, nobody pays fucking retail for anything. So <laughs> except for Jay Bush. So you're yeah, except for me. So you're trying to grind money <laughs> so, on something that you didn't even you didn't even lose you're not losing any money on. You could trade this card for fifty dollars and you're still making twenty dollars. So fuck off. You're one dollar. Okay. Or I'll like go and I'll take the one dollar and I'll buy a pop and then I'll shake it up and I'll include it in the trade. <laughs> so it's safe to say that you are MTG Finance level zero. Yeah. Like I okay. feel like I feel like I feel like, first of all, I feel like every almost every single magic card is overvalued. Uh, so that is upsetting to me because I also feel like spikes hurt the game. Like, not spike the player type, but like spikes where like something happened today with like something like like uh, like Brindle Shoat from the Commander decks is like $10 all of a sudden. And for those of you that don't know what Brindle Shoat is, it's a common from a green commander deck. Uncommon. I, I think uncommon. it's uncommon. I think it's the first uh, commander set that came out. Oh, it's, it's plane chase. Oh, is it plane chase? Okay, it's plane chase. Yep. It's a 1-1 one, one for 2, and when it dies, you get to put in a 3-3 three, three token. That's all it does. That's literally all that card does. And that card is $10. Um, I think that's it. But, uh, so I don't like that. And then I, I just, I hate, I hate the grind. Like, you know what? I don't mind if you if you try to make money uh, from magic. Like it's like anything else, right? You're gonna buy something and sell it. And if people are gonna pay you, then I don't think that you. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? If you're gonna say if Star City is gonna say 
foil jaces are $150 and everybody's going to complain about it, but everybody's going to buy them, then fine. That's the open market. That's free trade. That's America. But uh, America. Where, I hate, where I hate it is like when you're trading with, with people or trying to sell and buy with people that aren't stores and they're like, hey, pay me retail. And you're like, well, why would I pay you retail? Why wouldn't I pay the store retail? And then they're like, well, because that's what it's worth on Star City. And then it's like, well, then I'll just buy it from Star City. Like, why would I buy it from you? And then they're like, well, and then you go to trade with them. And they want to trade for, like, and they always trade their value high versus your value low. Or they say, like, well, you know, we could do this trade, but I mean, like, I mean, like, this card's really good in modern. So when it rotates out of standard, I think it'll still retain value. But the card you're trading is, like, only good in standard so in like you know six months it's going to be worthless like all right well then i guess based on our future trade in six months our future value then we won't do this trade because you can see the future so goodbye like and i those are the guys i hate and they always try to angle you and get value and whatever i don't mind trading a hundred dollar card for like eighty dollars worth of cards i have no problem with that if i'm getting eighty dollars the cards for my cube and I'm getting rid of some fucking random card I opened at a free release. I don't give a shit. I don't care about that 20 fake dollar value that I'm losing out on. If it's understood, right? I care about it when you're, when you're using it to, like, cast a shadow over me and, like, exploit me. Or when you're trying to cheat kids out of $150, $400 expeditions that came in their booster pack. Yeah. So what I'm getting from you is that you learned something. Yeah. You learned that, and, and you could speak to this, you learned the hard way that people, how to price your cards to oh, sell. Oh my god, I don't think I'll ever sell match cards for cash ever again. Uh, or you'll do it more correctly next time. Not even, it's not even worth my time. <laughs> so this is the other thing, this whole ordeal, this is the other thing. So I went and I sent out about 15, I, I would say 15 is like a high estimate. I would say it's probably close to 10 match cards. Um, I went and sent and to three different people, and these are the people that bought the magic cards within the first week or whatever. It was the first couple of days, and I, I wanted to be really diligent and get them out as quickly as I can, but I didn't want to go to the post office fucking ten times in a week kind of thing, right? So I waited two or three days, and then I shipped everything that sold. So for me to ship ten magic cards, uh, two packages to the U.S. not packages, but like bubble mailers with you know fucking top loaders and padding and shit. So for me to send two of those to the States and one of those to shout out to Frank Richard in Quebec, it cost me forty fucking dollars. Forty dollars. So the money that I made selling magic cards basically evaporated. So that did you charge for shipping? I charge them for shipping, yep. Okay. Yep. So no but like the shipping that I charge them for quote unquote I didn't like this is the problem with Canadian, uh, the Canadian post office that I've experienced, whether I'm sending a letter, sending a birthday present, selling my paintball stuff online, shipping stuff. Like if Jeremy comes over and forgets his phone and I ship it to him or anything like that. When I'm buying shit on Amazon, Canadian shipping doesn't seem to follow a standard deviation. So I will tell you, hey, man, you bought two magic cards for me. So shipping will probably be, say, $5 if you include the bubble mailer. And you're like, okay, uh, yeah, that's fine. And I'm like, there's no tracking on that. And you're like, okay, that's fine. And then I go to ship the bubble mailer, 
and all of a sudden it's six fifty total for shipping. And you paid me two dollars for that. So yeah, I lost three dollars on shipping. Who cares? But you only bought ten dollars worth of cards, so it's really only seven dollars worth of cards. Now is it ten dollars worth of cards that you paid ten dollars for? No, because nobody pays fucking retail for anything. So you paid me five dollars for seven or ten dollars worth of cards, and then you paid me two dollars shipping, so you paid seven dollars, and then I paid five dollars shipping, so I made two dollars. Uh, $2 doesn't get me any closer to going to Toronto, unfortunately. Um, and I don't want to sound like I'm ungrateful. It's just like, a, it really sucked. I think you're ungrateful. No, no, no. It really, it just really <laughs> sucked. It really sucked when I, like, took all my shit to the post office, got everything there. The guy at the post office actually was super helpful. He's, like, this little, like, nerdy kid. And he was talking to me. He's like, ooh, what are you sending? And I'm like, oh, magic cards. And he's like, oh, cool. Like, I send a lot of hockey cards. And then he was telling me, like, you know, this is a great way to package them. And this is how you should send them. And these are like, top loaders and team bags. And, you know, maybe wrap it like this. And I was like, oh, man, this is great. And I was I was going to buy single bubble mailers. But for the amount that I was buying, it was better to buy a pack because it was the same price. But I basically got two free. And he was great. But then, you know, he rang everything up and was, like, scanning it. And then he's like, that'll be, you know, $40.16. And I was just like, I, yep, I pay that. I'll pay that. I, I'm not going to take these back and then go home and say, like, hey, sorry, bros. Uh, it was way more for shipping than I told you earlier. Do you still want the card that's upgraded shipping cost, or do you want to cancel your order? Because I, because even if I go to the fucking like Canada Post website, I don't know the weight, I don't know the dimensions. I can estimate the dimensions, but I don't know how big a bubble mailer is, and I don't have a. Bubble well, tell them how many iPhones it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> six iPhones long. So, and that's and you know what? I'm not I'm not saying that this is a shitty experience because everybody else. I'm saying like this is. Like, yeah, if I had a bubble mailer on my desk, I probably could have figured it out. If I had researched the price of bubble mailers, or, like, a bunch of people after the fact were really helpful, and they sent me a bunch of links where I could buy bubble mailers on Amazon for, like, four cents each. That mm-hmm. was really helpful. Uh, I'll I'll never need bubble mailers probably again. But now if I do, I know where to get them for dirt cheap. So, like, it was just kind of sucked in that fashion. So that was one thing that sucked. The other thing that sucked is that I just put up my card uh, during the last podcast. Because you motherfuckers told me that it would be a great way to make money to get to Toronto. Because for those of you that don't know, I'm really, I was really struggling with coming to Toronto or not. Because we we're not at our GoFundMe goal. I don't think we are yet, right? Uh, we are $120 away. We're $120 away from our GoFundMe goal. Uh, which is kind of like cheating still because we said we ended like a long time ago and we didn't. No, no, no. We said we'd ke- we never yeah, said we that. said we'd keep going. No, 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 no. We, but we, we had to change that. When we first did the GoFundMe, we said it would end as of whatever date. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but okay, so that was a misunderstanding of me not knowing how GoFundMe worked as opposed ah. to Kickstarter worked. Because okay. I thought Kicks, cause okay. Kickstarter, you set a goal date, and then if, you're, if your goal is funded, you get your money. If it's not, you don't. Oh, okay. Whereas, Kickstarter, whereas GoFundMe is not like that. Oh, you set a goal. Get your money. Correct. Yeah, it just trickles in. Okay, okay cool. Yeah. So, so if you get like a penny nickel, you get your four yeah, cents after cent. they take Okay, fees. cool. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. So anyway, but for those that didn't know, like I was, especially last episode, I was really struggling with going because I feel like I can't, I shouldn't really be taking time off work because I feel like that's cheating on my family in that like that's like missing out on on, on like funds to pay my bills to go have fun with all of you that I would I would really love to do that but I just feel I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that like if I don't have I try not to spend if I can you know what I mean 
And then I was struggling with like, well, if I do get to go, I don't have a lot of money. So how much fun am I going to be if I'm the guy that's always like, hey, can I bump five bucks for a burger? And like, oh, this great man at a private party where I don't have any money to buy booze. So I was struggling with it. And then these motherfuckers on the show told me to sell my magic cards, Jay. Everybody will buy them and it'll get you some money to go there. So I, Mythics for burgers. So I, all last episode, tick, 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 I put up all these fucking magic cards on this uh, Google spreadsheet, which I'm updating all the time, and maybe Kyle will put in the show notes. Um, so if you ever want some random oils from probably my cube uh, for any reason, then they'll be there. And I'll pay $40 shipping to you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I put them on there, and like within seconds of me saying, hey, check out my Google spreadsheet of Canadian dollar magic cards, which I just went to face-to-face just put the price in there. And then I said, like, I'm I'm open to any reasonable offer. I was thinking maybe 80% of Canadian, which is, like, free to you Americans, basically. So right away, like, five seconds in, this guy's like, oh, my God, you have fucking outrageous price. This is ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, sorry, man, didn't realize. Like, I just went based on face face, which is the Canadian version of Star City, and I'm pretty sure they just price based on Star City, so... Like, that's just kind of what I was going for. And it's Canadian dollars. There's a big sign that says that in case you didn't see. And also, like, I'm open to any reasonable offer. So, like, 80% of Canadian, that's, like, 60% for you. So then I was thinking, you know, maybe it's not so outrageous. And he's like, I'm like, so what would be a good price? And the card that he was going on was Westvale Abbey, which is somehow a $25 card. I had no idea. I opened two of those for release. I figured they were bulk prayers. And then apparently not. So they're $25 on stars, or on face-to-face. Canadian, and then 80% of that. So I don't even know what that math works out to. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. And then in Canadian, so even in American dollars, that's what? Like $15 maybe? It's six, 16-ish. $16. Let's say it's $16 for you Americans to buy that, okay? And he's like, well, TCG Bow is like $10. So why the fuck would I buy them for, for 20 And I'm like, well, I don't even really know what the fuck TCG player is. Okay. Um, don't, don't really <laughs> What's a TCG like, player? I don't really use that in Canada. Uh, and then, I, so then I was educated on kind of what TCG is. And then I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, like, if I'm going based on low prices for all my cards, there's, I, I should actually just not sell them because they're, they're, it'll be, they will be worth like a two dollar foil. If I sell Matt Mendoza a two dollar foil, but he wants it for TCG low. That means no, no, I'm no. selling it to him for like fifteen cents. Like yeah, what... you're you're kind of you're you're kind of make you're uh, you're confusing some things because what you should do is not use that as your dictate, like you as your. I'm a dictate. You know, TCG low isn't isn't like that's what you sell the card for. It's a range. It's so that you understand what you just learned. Is the actual what? What is the actual value of a magic card? That's well, what I. Whatever you'll pay for it. No, it's what 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 you learn at least doing MTG finance like I have is the actual magic value of a magic card. So, for example, one one metric I always use is buy list because basically, if you always think of your if you always think of your collection as baseline, if I liquidate my collection right now, what how much is it really worth? Like, buy list tells you exactly how much it's really worth. Because that's how much you can take it to a collect to a dealer and say, here's this magic, here's my collection, 
this is what you'll give me. Now, where the values start to scale is you get you get benefits that give you more value. So for example, if you are an individual seller, you could probably get TCG player low because you only have a couple a couple copies or whatever. You have no it's like eBay, for example, you have no reputation, you have no ratings, you're just selling one card. Well, I mean, I see how the okay. royal you is that I don't I mean I have a reputation and rating. Well, like, not on TCG player. It means no, I don't. Yeah, you're so, right. And so what you have to do is you have to say, okay, well, I'm going to accept TCG low. Now you're selling on TCG low, so you have to pay for TCG fees and shipping. Okay? So that cuts you down your profit. Now you have to look at your card and you have to go, okay, so this $10 card, it's buy listing to, let's just say face-to-face for $5. Sure. I can sell it for TCG low for 7 but I can... I have to pay for shipping and fees, so that's like five oh five. Now, is it just worth it to worth it more to me to sell it to face to uh, face? Absolutely, it's just more convenient. But if you value your TCG seller rating, you might want to sell it on TCG Player for a little bit more hassle, a little bit more money, just so you can get that rating. Okay, so that's the that's kind of how you have to look at it. So, you for example your uh, your $2 foil that's on TCG player, you can, it is absolutely reasonable to ask $2 for that foil. Because you're, you're basically going to either ship it to somebody or somebody's going to come get it. But it's like, I'm not going to, you know, reasonably, you asking 15 cents for that foil just because it's like 15 cents on TCG player, you know, like if it sells for $2, $2 on TCG player, for example, you can ask for $2. Like that's okay. That's a reasonable number. It's where you get up to, like, the higher margin cards, for example, like Abby, for example, where it's like Beckett and, you know, old sports, you know, Beckett nope. used to be like, oh, okay. So Beckett, Scry, like Scry. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. There are these kind of made-up prices that, like, only two or three market entities can actually ask for. In the States, it's basically Star City can command the highest price, Channel Fireball can command the second highest price. Why? Because they're Channel Fireball and they're Star City. You go to them, you're paying for a premium, you're paying for this consistent service, you know exactly what you're going to get, your cards are, are, you know, should be in exactly the condition that you order them, but you're paying a premium price. Now, for example, now when you start to scale down, the, you get, you know, the people who, the stores that have a reputation on TCG players. They can't command as much as Star City can, but they can command uh, like higher than TCG low. They can command TCG mid, for example. And then you start going lower to like the eBay sellers who have a bunch of ratings, but they don't have a storefront. They can command, they can ask for a little bit more money uh, than TCG low. And then you get to the people like you who just want to unload cards and you're, you're either looking at buy list or TCG low or selling to an individual and what I, what I told you before is that you have to look at time versus money. If you want more money, then you need to wait, spend more time trying to sell, trying to get that price. Right. But if you want more money, if you want like the money now, then you need to accept a lower price. I should call JG Wentworth. So I'm, I'm just saying that like you, you are, you have now learned what the actual value of magic card is. 
basically, I'm never going to do it again. It was not worth it. But here's... I mean, it can be. <laughs> it can. Nope. But, but here's... here's... <laughs> okay. Uh, so that happened. I was educated by some, like, nicely by some people, not so nicely by others. Um, even the guy that, like, his first comment was, like, basically, you're a fucking idiot. He even said, like, hey, just so you know, I wasn't trying to say you're a fucking idiot. Um, just the words kind of yeah, came yeah, out the same Yeah, yeah, it was the way. tone, right? Um, but, you know, it was great. Like, I, I got educated. It was great. But then what ended up happening is a whole bunch of people bought the card for what I was asking for them. Uh, and so I made about 100 bucks. Well, there goes your theory, buddy. Yeah. No, I mean, that's fine. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you can absolutely, Man, there, there are anomalies at, everywhere. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, you know I'm sure, they're buying from I'm you. Sure my, I'm sure that my quote-unquote celebrity had a, had something to do with it. Yeah. Similar to how, like, if somebody asked me for money, I'm going to be like, no. But if Jeremy asked me for money, I'll give him money, right? Yeah, so, so exactly. The, that ex, that, really? the value yeah. of his request was $0. Yeah, Unless exactly. it, you know, be, but because it's he's asking you, the value of his request is worth exactly how much he's asking for. Yeah, exactly. So, so it worked out pretty well. I made a hundred bucks, and I hopefully people get use out of the cards that I sold them. And you know, I mean, like it was just it was stressful. It was stressful because, like I said, I didn't want to seem ungrateful. Like what? Like like I said, Westdale Abbey P is not worth anything. I thought it was like a dollar rare, uh, and then I found out that it was twenty five, and. I wasn't, like, trying to be greedy. I was just saying, like, well, this is the value. So in Canadian 80% dollars, like, you're still getting a great value. But apparently that wasn't good enough. And then, and you know, I mean, I think a big thing, too, for, like, uh, magic in my realm is, like, Alberta had, at one point, the highest ma- number of magic players and money spent per capita in the world on magic. Um, because of the way that our economy is and because of, I don't really know, it's like a perfect storm, but like, we have so many fucking magic card stores here and it's like, it's so foreign to me. Like I'll talk to people that live in like real cities in the States and they'll tell me that they have to go like two hours to an FNN. They have to drive and they do it. Yeah. And that like doesn't happen. I, th- I think part of it is that I-, I heard that like one quarter of the beta allocation went to Calgary. Oh, wow. Because... Uh, I think it was a uh, Century Box there. Yeah, had a great relationship with uh, what was it Peter Atkins? I think was his name or something like that. One of the early like Wizards of the Coast right. guys. So he said like he had bought some of the stuff when they first put it out. Like he he took a, a waiver on it, and he, the people were loving it. So he's like, just send me everything that you can. Yeah, and that's where a lot of like Alberta magic Actually, got its kick out that, of. I think I heard that too. Yeah, and it just we just got lucky, yeah. and so of course like a big part of magic in Alberta is, like, we love Magic. There's a high number of players here that are willing to spend the money, and so, you know, we never have to use a TCG player, ever. And I and I was talking to some people, and they were saying, like, TCG players are great, like, almost like, uh, it's almost like mtglinkdump.com in that it's, like, mtgcardsales.com, where, like, anybody can put their cards up there, stores yeah. put their cards up there, and, and the thing is that you can go on, the thing that I thought really cool is, like, if I go to face-to-face, and I want, say, four flip jaces, but they only have three, I gotta go to another store, whereas apparently on TCG Player, correct me if I'm wrong, but it'll show you, you'll just put in jace, and it'll show you everybody that has them, so I can just click, click, yeah. click, click, and like, I don't have to go to a bunch of different websites to try to buy them, right? Correct. So that's kind of cool. 
Um, and also, like, yeah, you live in the middle of fucking nowhere, and there's nowhere to get magic cards. So you have one one game store two hours away, and of course, you're never going to find a foil flip chase there. Everybody's going to find it there. So, you, like, how are you going to be the one guy that gets it? Well, you can go on TCG Player, and that's and like, you know what? That makes sense. That's cool um, because you only have TCG Player, Star City Games, and Channel Fireball to choose from. So, of course, of course, uh, if you're not using Kuka Trade, you're going to buy cards the lowest price because it's fucking cardboard so for the most part you're gonna buy the like it's that's the open market you're gonna buy the cheapest cards if it's the same so that makes sense and so where i was taking it back is like i've never even fucking used it i've heard of it in that like someone has mentioned it like oh this guy writes for g player or melissa del Tora is on team g player I'm like, but that doesn't mean anything. That's like being on Team Super Cool or Team Red Blue guys. <laughs> team face to face. Yeah, like you know, um, doesn't mean anything to me. So, uh, so like I, I, I like to me, TCG player kind of sounds like it sounds like a like an antique store or like a pawn okay, shop. Okay, no, this is the comparison. You know Amazon, right? Yes, obviously I know Amazon. TCG player it's is Amazon. Amazon. Sure, I guess. I don't really know how... MTG. So, for example, you type in uh, a product that you need, a vacuum cleaner, for example. Amazon will list to you, will list their price or whatever if they sell it, and then they'll list every other seller that sells it. So you have the option of getting it from this seller or this seller. You have the option of getting it for a used copy for this much. with this much shipping or you can get it from Amazon directly for like free two day shipping or whatever. That's TCG player, except TCG player doesn't sell its own cart. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. TCG player sells. Yeah. So, so TCG player is like a, it's, it's like, like Amazon. A, it's like a hall. It's like rent space. It's like Amazon. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a place for people to yeah. sell. It's paying for the table at the convention. They're yeah, the convention. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome because it basically keeps, you know, keeps prices low relatively because people will, people, because that's what's cool about TCG player is that the people sometimes race to the bottom because you want yes. your card to be listed first because the way TCG player lists default is cheapest first. So if your card is the cheapest, it's the one people see first, just the one get, that gets sold first. Yeah, and don't you pay additional shipping if you're buying from, like, five different stores? Um, you can, you can, do, shipping is, like, a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of different things, because you can, they now have TCG Player Direct, which basically is like Amazon, where people, where companies actually will just ship a bunch of products to an Amazon escrow kind of thing and then whenever one of their products sells through that seller so say you buy a tide pen for example from from a seller they it just goes to amazon's warehouse where they have like your little compartment that says you know jeremy's stores jeremy's tide pen and they just actually will grab one package it up and ship it for you so tcg and then they'll be like, "Hey, man, you're out of Tide pens," and I'll be like, "Well, shit, Correct. I gotta send more Tide pens." And TCG Amazon. Player is doing the same, doing a very similar thing now. So, but they have like 
free shipping. You know, some stores have free shipping on orders $25 or $35. Some have flat shipping that is like a dollar. There's also a cool TCG player does this cool cart optimizer thing where you can basically click optimize. And what it will do is it will rejigger your order to basically all try to order from the same stores and the same vendors so that you yeah. get, you can reduce shipping costs. Yeah, where it'd be like, oh, you're paying five bucks for shipping here, but the card's only $2 more with this guy, so you actually end up saving $3 if you just buy it through Jay's uh, Google list Correct. shop. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. yeah TCG yeah. Player's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not bashing TCG Player at all. I'm just saying, like, we just don't need it, I guess, in Alberta, and so I'd never even considered that that was an option. Highly just, recommend. Like, like in, in where I'm from, and, I mean, like, you know what, maybe because I'm out of the MCG Finance Finder Grinder game, and I have been for a couple of years, maybe that's different. But, where, like, up and, like, from Conflux until, you know, like, a couple of years ago, maybe even one or two, like, it was, what is this value of this card? And everybody went by Star City Games. Or by what store we were in. If we were in Phoenix, it was, Phoenix has it downstairs for $10. That's how much it's worth. I'll trade it to you for that. And everybody was like, yeah, all right, fine. Yeah, I mean, what you're what you're getting nobody, at also said, is that nobody th- said you know nobody said Billy on the corner ha- is having a garage sale and selling them for two dollars, so sell them for that, idiot. Like nobody yeah. said. So. What you're talking about also is trading. Trading is a much more different process because, as long as generally for most traders, as long as you're using Star City prices and I'm using Star City prices, yeah. yeah. It's fine. Or yeah. you're using TCG mid, and I'm using yeah, the, TCG the price mid. Is arbitrary, as long as we agree on the price. Correct. Now yeah. there is some money to be made there, actually. If you, depending on what cards you're using, you can kind of figure out the differences. But that's like trading. That's like next level trading and stuff like that. Yeah, that's like pro level trades where it's like, oh, well, we're going to be trading for these cards. I know that face to face has these drastically underpriced. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to use because I know the cards I'm looking for are actually way overpriced or blah, 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 reverse, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's what gets really cool where you you start to like learn, use all this knowledge and exploit all these resources to really make money in, you know, binder grinding. So, yeah. I mean, and if I could do it, if I had the patience, time and the money to start, I would. I mean, I I mean, it's the same with fucking investment bank or hedge fund management or stocks. Or you know what I mean? Like yep. it's all it's all arbitrary. Um, and I wish that I had the know how and the patience and the money to get into that. But I don't, so I don't. So it was a little bit it was an interesting experience for sure. Um it was a little bit of a hot stove experience, that's for sure. Um so I don't know if I'll do it again. But I and like I said, I super appreciate the hundred dollars I made um selling magic cards so that I can eat in Toronto. Woohoo! You know, as a person who works at a store, KYT, what do you think about it? Am I going to get a slice of pizza? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> what? Did you get my message today? Um, which one? It said, fuck you. I put, I put, another, I put another order in. Oh, okay. Every time I do an order, I send a message to I KYT. Did I did not get a message. So what did the last so message say? Don't spoil the surprise, but what did the one before that say? Like... The one I, ain't, that? I ain't getting a slice of pizza. I ain't getting my pizza that I want. Yeah, I, I told the person to go tell KYT that he's not getting his pizza and to laugh at him. <laughs> I always tell them to, like, get a secret goofy picture of KYT. 
And they always do. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, really they good are. at face. Now, yeah. here's another question. Like, seriously, we're totally causing oh, Sal a whole bunch of money. Oh, yeah. But I mean, if he doesn't have any fun, he'll die of a heart attack because he's old and French. Like, they don't have a lot of. <laughs> no. Um, and here's a question uh, back to card designing before we get off the J Boost show and you guys get to talk. How come sometimes cards say return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield? And some of them say return to the battlefield under your control. Uh, I'm guessing that this doesn't happen in the same set. Uh, I don't know. I have to check. <laughs> your problem? Because templating it is a thing that changes. Okay. Well, which one's correct? Well, are they do? I have to also look at Oracle text to find out if one has been updated and one has not. Yeah, that's actually the case. Is just look at the Oracle. Text. Well, isn't Gatherer all Oracle text? That's what I'm looking at. Yes, okay. it is. So Oracle text versus printed text on this card is the exact same. So Great. let's look at one that says "To the battlefield under your control." What was yeah. the first card you were looking at? It was uh, Artisan of Kozilek. And now I'm looking for, like, another reanimator spell that says... Oh, here we go. A Darkar Valkyrie from, say, Commander and from Cold Snap. Uh, it says Oracle, it says Under Your Control, and Printed, it says Under Your Control. Awesome. Can you target things out of your opponent's graveyard? When target creature other than dies this turn, return that card to the battlefield under your control. So, yes, this target... Yeah. Things that are not in your graveyard, and I think our and that you don't right, an artisan of Kozilek can only target things in your graveyard that you control. So that's why it says that is because that's a distinction that's yeah. important. Ah, learning when you you may return target yeah. from your graveyard to the battlefield. So if it's only your yeah, so it's only yeah, your so if control. It's only your graveyard. It can only go under your control. Whereas if you were to return a creature from an opponent's card to the battlefield, it would go under their control because it's their yeah. creature, unless the card right. specifically says okay. it's your control. Perfect. Right. And now we're templating because, like, I fucking hate it when I make magic cards with someone, like a partner, and then they just put like, they just like don't template their cards correctly. It's like super yeah, scary. it's like yeah. this card reanimates itself yeah. and gets real fast off yeah. the get-go, and it's just like ugh. 15 yards for giving them yeah, the business. Yeah, it is nasty. So, there you have it. Uh, what's up, KYT? Did you get fired? No. <laughs> Not, yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Sack full of phone books? <laughs> well, it looks like KYT might be grinding again sooner rather than later. <laughs> so, that's a good thing. I mean, if you do get fired... Yeah. At least we'll get more magic in KYT. Yeah. So like, <laughs> instead of one PPTQ every three months or whatever. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a busy busy week as we're. Uh, I think it seems like there's a big turn. Yeah, yeah, we're within two weeks of uh, the the biggest event face to face games has ever held. And uh, we only, like, some of the stuff that we do is um, we're just learning off the cuff, honestly. A lot of stuff me and P.D. Pablo 
style and, and everyone. Um, a lot. It's it's pretty overwhelming. Well, well do do everyone a favor because I, I love dealing with you guys and everything like that. But it's when you're done, make sure you guys sit down, look at what you did, and fix your puppy stupid. Yeah. Learn from your mistakes. You know, like sure. that. That's you got to do the correction of errors at the end, and you got to be serious about it. You got to say these were all the problems. I mean, you can't just take that list and throw it into a drawer and never look at it again. Like, you gotta fix it for the and next if you one. Don't, because... And the thing is, if you don't, you'll get left behind. It's not so much that, like, there's always a mistake. Even if it's a great success and you made a lot of money, you gotta, <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get left behind if you don't look at the things that you didn't do right. Because there's gonna be something. You're gonna run out of water, or you're gonna have to cap it, and people are gonna be really upset. Because I think that happened this weekend, right? Um, like, didn't some maybe? GP didn't some GP hit its cap this weekend, and a whole bunch of people were really mad about that? Yeah. Oh, Albuquerque, yeah, yeah. Albuquerque, yeah. and it was everybody said it was way too low for for a GP or something, and they were all mad. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people who said for like a North American GP it was way too low, but I guess for the city and the place where they were told that they had to have the event, it was kind of like this is what you get. <laughs> so, and the thing that was really cool about it is that TO was. Very, very verbal, like very vocal, very transparent, yeah. and like these are the challenges yeah, that yeah, we're facing. Sure. This is what we're trying to do about it. Like we don't want any surprises. And of course, it's very much like your guys with the list. Like these prices are way too high. Well, they're in Canadian. Well, why didn't yeah. you say that? It's written yeah. in the thing. Oh, <laughs> oh. well, then I'll oh. take them all. <laughs> well, why didn't you tell me to read the thing? Because I figured you would have done that when you were looking yeah. at the prices. <laughs> I'm just going to run on the platform that magic card prices are too damn high. <laughs> I mean, that happened a lot, Jay, for Facebook. A lot of people thought, were asking and thinking our registration prices were crazy. But uh, yeah. obviously, relatively speaking, and especially when they, they're in Canadian, they were, they're some of the lowest. Um, if you do go out and compare us with other GPs to the point where Martin Juza was tweeting, like, why is the face GP so much of a better value? Yeah, why isn't everybody doing this kind of? Yeah, it's it's a constructed one, but you also get six boosters. I mean, it's still like expensive compared to what we're, we've been used to. I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm mainly saying like when people first start complaining, it's like a lot of the time it's because they didn't even get the the right details. Yeah, prices are going up everywhere, but face to face hasn't gone up as much. So you're as giving that. away. This is a constructed GP, and you're giving yeah. away six boosters. You have to. Canadian yeah, you have to. Yeah. yeah. Canadian law, you have to give away the boosters. A lot of European GPs do it too, so that it's not gambling or something. But it is. It's like, it's not. We're we're shielding it, but yeah. yeah. It's a game of skill. Game of skill. Come on. You play daily fantasy sports. You know what game is. That's why getting banned everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, game of skill. Um, No, like where I want to go back to, like that whole statement of saying, like, make sure that you guys learn from your mistakes. Uh, Where I go with that is. in construction, in industrial construction, like where I'm at, I, I, I read Jay's stories about his workplace and I just feel terrible for him because it doesn't seem like there's anything that's safety, you know, oh conscious God, going on. Just whatever, whatever Jay brings yeah, with himself. Yeah, I'm having an argument with a guy right now. Right now on yeah. fucking Twitter, if you go to my feed, so four days ago for those of you listening to it, but for the guys on the show, right now, if you go to my, my cast, there's a guy who's telling me that because I said, like, hey, I'm alone at work again, which is totally illegal as an electrician. And he's like, it's not illegal. It's in the Canadian Electric Code, which is actually legal. Um, and then he's like, it's, and it's not really enforced. So it's fine. 
And then I'm like, well, you could say the same thing about wire fill. Like wire fill, for those of you that don't know, is like basically if you have an X amount of size pipe that you're going to put wires in or a box you're going to put wires in, depending on the size of that box, only Y amount of wires can go in there. So in a one inch pipe, you can only have 16 size number 10 wires in there. You can physically fit a lot more, but you're only allowed to have 16. And so I said that to him. I said, like, well, yeah, technically, you know, wire fill is also only law based on the Canadian Electrical Code that we all follow. And he's like, yeah, but that one we actually follow. (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, Yeah. there we are. So (laughs) it's like, if I do this in front of an uh, OH&S officer, what happens to me? I get fucked? Okay, well, then that's against yeah. the law. That gets me fucked. <laughs> so that that's what it's always about. But, like, it, where it comes in our thing is, like, one of the things we're taught is, like, the safety pyramid. And the safety pyramid is just a very basic thing where it's, like, every action, every time you do something unsafe at work, uh, you're going to have so many, so many actions are going to happen. Uh, of those, only a percentage of them are going to be reported as a near miss. So say somebody's, like, working with a, a big backhoe or something like that, and the bucket crashes down near the guy where the guy wasn't paying attention. And if, you know, he had been a foot over or something like that, he would have just, like, ripped the guy to pieces. Right. So it's like, okay, well, you know what? Like, that's going to happen, like, three times a day or something stupid. But nobody says anything. But maybe one guy actually wrote down, yeah, bucket got near me, wasn't paying attention. Uh, we had a talk, and now I'm wearing high reflective stuff, and I'm going to work better. Then after that, then you have actual incidents where it's like, you know what, like, we had the near misses, but you know what? This time actually something happened and Buddy got like just like a scratch or something stupid like that. Or the bucket came down and crushed a shovel or something. We had a small property damage, whatever the case may be. And then from that point on, everything above that is like, okay, well, now we had like a first aid. Now we've had somebody who had to go to the hospital is going to miss some work. Uh, we had a person who's not going to be able to work anymore. And then we had a death. And the thing that they always say is that like when you fail, once you get to that first incident, once you get to that first injury, that first first aid, that's when you failed. Everything from there up is rolling the dice, and you don't really know how bad that's going to be. And where it comes to, like, this whole common thing is that you see these TOs and stuff like that who will let something small or – and it doesn't even have to be on the Grand Prix scale. It can be on the lower uh, scale. You see these guys who let these little small things go through because, hey, we got 90 things right, but we let five fail. Well, you don't know how bad those five can fail on you. You don't know how bad that can blow up on you, how much of an impact those little things can have on you. They might be little near misses or they might be, you know, somebody getting a little scuffed toe and having a little rant on Reddit and that being the end of it. Or it could be we're not getting tournaments anymore or we are now like painted in a negative light. Like there's there's a great scale that can come out of that kind of stuff. And that's where it's really important for tournaments whenever you're done one, like to just turn around and say, how can I do things better? And it's part of the judge program when you're done your tournaments to do tournament reports and look back at it and say, where did we screw up? Like, what did we do wrong? And what was the impact from that? And what can we do to make sure that we do better in the future? So that's what I just hope, because like face-to-face is moving into this. I want them to do well. They do other things extremely well. I want them to be successful at this. Yeah, it's very good advice. I don't want them to have puppy stool. It's stupid. It's very good advice, especially if uh, we want to have a chance of having hosting another one next year. Yes. And stuff like that. So uh, it's, it's really important. And, and we're just, like I said, learning so much because a lot of times it's like just even knowing how long it takes Watsy to, let's say, approve a playmat art or when the playmats are shipping, how many, um, 
souvenir packages we need to have or prepare for. A lot of those things were we did a lot of guesstimates and, and some sometimes we were just asking Moreau. <laughs> like I think I think there were some numbers that that you know we just wanted to get uh, information from each other. But how real are those numbers? Who knows? So a lot of it is just a lot of guessing uh, this first time and uh, we, we tried our best. Obviously we didn't just like say, well, whatever, come up with a random number. But a lot, a lot of lessons yeah. have already been learned that we know what to do better uh, for next time. Like um, even from my side, especially my side, like what information needs to be put on, on the website? Uh, what are the per, per, most important information that needs to be put and, and stuff like that and how to announce, best announce it. And um, what words are appropriate? Representative of face to face. Yeah. <laughs> like um, and today, like we rushed, we we only had some some things feel. I feel very uh, that we were last minute on, but they were also like last minute approved, um, like like fairly last minute approved. So this recent change was is. That thank God, uh, for the most part, from what I've seen, ninety nine, actually hundred percent of the response I've seen to this announcement that we changed the whole Sunday Super Series, uh, yeah, Super Sunday Series, like whatever, interchangeable, I guess. Sunday Super Series. <laughs> it's a Super Sunday Series on my thing. What? Three Sunday Super. <laughs> Change uh, that worked. Uh, apparently, had an amazing feedback at Grand Prix Mexico. So previously it was held for those of you who played at Grand Prix, it was held on Sunday morning, whether it be sealed and stand or standard or even modern sometimes, but usually for people who totally scrubbed out from the main event and needed some sort of consolation event. <laughs> I've never played standard. Oh, again. The, the super salty series. Super salty series that people like either like thought, oh man, it was really fun or made fun of because it led to you getting a trip to Seattle and playing in what, at the time, a lot of people, maybe opinions have changed now, but a lot of people thought it was just some meaningless tournament of people who just randomly won Super Series events. And they went to watch the, and, and then they streamed it. And I just I still just remember Owen winning the first one. And one of my friends, I was actually watching because Alex Bianchi was on it. And, of course, Andy Football Peters was on it. So. It, I, I actually cared somewhat because I, I knew people that, that went. Um, but it after people went and came back, they thought it was the most awesome experience that they've ever had. And, and now I've, I've been hearing a lot better reviews about the Super Series. And now instead of having it being two events where it was like a constructed event and a limited event and top forward, then seeded into a top eight draft where you draft it and the winner gets a trip to Seattle, now, instead, what this new format is on Friday, there are three qualifiers on Saturday, two of them, and three again on Sunday. And the winner of the, each separate trial that we're calling then gets each grinder. grinder, super series grinder, gets into the top eight draft on Sunday at 6 p.m. So it's an interesting twist. And what it allows us to do is also spread. Uh, the formats even more so that one of them it's, it's to me it's kind of unique that you can actually play a legacy one the, like the third one on friday is a legacy one and if you win you qualify for the sunday draft at 6 p.m that's a triple 
Chapels of Innistrad draft. So that's, <laughs> that's interesting. And a lot of people liked it, felt it was a more positive experience because if you scrubbed out of one of them, you still had multiple shots to make it to that top eight draft. So there were smaller fields, but you sort of had multiple lives. Uh, the only other... Now, the thing I like about it is single elimination yes, because yes. you used to like get like these tournaments where it's like, oh, wow, I'm going to make top eight because all of these tournaments are designed to break to eight mm-hmm. really well. They don't, they're not designed to break to four really well. And uh, yeah, it breaks to eight and you doesn't matter if you get in top eight. You got to get top four. So it's like, oh, well, that means I'm fighting with like five other players for tiebreakers. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not a good story. Never a good place. Yeah. I, I think the only downside to this maybe is that there are some, I mean, they're later in the day. I guess it's not an issue. It's at 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. on Saturday. So if you've scrubbed out, you probably have scrubbed out by now if you went like 02. 3 p.m. is perfect then. 3 p.m. is a great scrub time. <laughs> so it's a perfect event. And so you can even avenge yourself the day of, the day of you scrubbing out. You don't have to salt the entire Saturday. You can just jump right in and I guess maybe salt again later. <laughs> but, uh, Rebound salt or double rebound salt. So most people think like this new change is awesome. So I'm glad. I'm really glad, and uh, I'm excited to to see. Is there no seals? There, um, there is sealed. There's Sunday. There's one on Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Yes, on 11 a.m. Okay, good. Are you planning that already? (laughs) What? You're gonna win the whole thing? No, I'm just. Are you playing? I. I am yeah, playing, I am playing, but I, I'm having my, because now, for whatever reason, I am fucked, <laughs> and I've got to practice for both standard and sealed. Why is that? So, because this motherfucker won a PPTQ this weekend. <laughs> Sick. But... Yeah. So, apparently that's sealed. And I think I get to play it. I'm pretty sure I get just, to play it. Just casually. So. Just the, casually. Hey, I won a PBTQ. Neat. You yeah. Well, it was. Dick. It, it was neat. <laughs> it was really, really neat. I thought that was super no, great. So, uh, I read about that on Twitter. I was like, pretty proud of you, bro. Don't yeah. don't mistake my jealousy for not being proud. <laughs> no, no, that's the thing. It's like part of it, like... The reason I was downplaying it is because I knew that my my buddy, my my comrade at arms, Matt Mitchell, is playing in his own PPTQ on the other side of the continent, probably not doing anywhere nearly as well, well as I was, even though he plays and practices way harder. So, Well, to be fair, <laughs> I guess I'll just talk about my experience first. Just, just It's really short. Yeah, yeah. I, I, played, I played Jund Binder cards. Yeah, done binder cards. I like the the name because of the deck I don't have oh. the baller status to just play Bant Coco whenever I want. Yeah, why is that baller status? Isn't the deck like dirt cheap aside from the Amazons? I guess Bant Coco. It's the most probably the yeah. most expensive deck in standard. You're playing four Coco. You're playing four Jace. Oh yeah, there's yeah in there two Avis yeah. or two or three Avisons. You're playing Sylvan Advocates and all like sorts of lands and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Silver Advocate's like four or five bucks, but I mean, I'm just saying that, like, you're playing four Mythics with 
two of the mo- other most expensive mythics. So like, you're yeah, yeah, the two most expensive yeah. cards in standard. Are I mean, in- Jace's or what, a hundred Canadian and Avison's were like fifty Canadian. So nobody knows what nobody knows what Avison yeah. is. Nobody knows because every time you look at it, the price is all over the place. It was like fifty on Friday, and I think it was like seventy when I checked this morning. Like it's still flying all over the place. Nobody can figure it out because everybody sold out. Yep. Yep. And so our, the local store was cracking cases and there were people just standing around buying them for whatever number the guy spat out. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, played Jun Binder cards. Uh, I went 0, 2, and 1. It was awesome. My first round was a buy, or a, a, not a buy, a draw against Bant's. Uh, Coco, and then I proceeded to lose to Esper Control, and my deck had three main deck deadweights, three main deck ultimate prices, three main deck languishes, one playing tendrils, one to the slaughter, and the dude was playing no natural creatures, just awaken spells and manlands, which uh, ultimate yep. price can't target, and dead weight no. is awful again. So yep. I had one of those hands that's like, if you are playing one of the blue white aggressive decks that I had anticipated was going to be here, I would just win this match, win this game. But because I drew the half of my deck that isn't transgress the mind and duress and all that stuff, I'm just gonna lose. But uh yeah, so I lost the, I lost the Esper control. Uh and that was I boarded out ten cards and boarded in ten cards and I don't think I could have boarded any other cards out as much as I wanted to. Uh what else? And then I lost to another uh, very good player playing Bant Coco. Uh and it was it was a close there were some close matchups, but ultimately this it just outclassed whatever I brought. I just okay. I was playing like the one Abbott Abbey that I own, the one Arlen Kerr that I own, the one Chandra, the two Goblin Dark Dwellers. The problem with what I whatever I was trying to build out of my binder was that I had a pretty sweet control suite, and then I have like a bunch of languishes. I have some duresses and some transgress the minds, as well as brain uh, brain. Bite or brain, pick the brain. Uh, as well, I have grasp of darkness and dead weight and ultimate price and all sorts of stuff like that. I just have nothing in the way of top end, in the way of ways to close out the game. So my deck was basically like, well, I'm going to play green because I have some Sylvan Advocates. But uh, yeah. Like, here's my Goblin Dark Dwellers, or here's my whatever. I couldn't play Thought Not Sears uh, or anything like that, but... Yep. So, and then I, I drew, I dropped and ate Mexican food, and it was fantastic. Oh, well, that sounds great. I like Mexican yep. food. So... <laughs> Uh, and yeah. Jeremy, um, yeah. what was it? <laughs> you had the opposite experience. So Friday morning, 
Friday morning, I get up and I look at my face-to-face -face order because I brought a whole bunch of cards. I was going to play that demonic pack deck, and I had bought a bunch of cards off face-to-face -to, -face to, to put it together. And I see that, uh, for whatever reason, my shipping just is not going to work out for me. You know, I, I've gotten the expedited shipping, and it's one to six days. Usually, it gets there in a couple days, but it was saying, yeah, it's going to be there on Monday. So I was kind of, well, shit. I couldn't do Friday Night Magic because I had some stuff going on, but I still made it out to go and have dinner with the guys after the tournament. Or no, I didn't even do that. I went over to the shop, I picked up my boxes, and I just told buddy, like my buddy Mike Lewis, saying, hey man, uh, I don't have a deck for tomorrow, do you got anything? So he's like, well, I got two decks built. And he said, I got Bant Coco, which is almost identical to the one that got first place the other week, uh, a couple tweaks, and I've got like this weird... Uh, black, uh, black, white, red, uh, so Mardu Planeswalker deck that I brewed up. I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll take either. Both of them sound great. And he's like, well, I think I'm going to play the Planeswalker thing. Do you want Coco? And I'm like, sure, I'll take <laughs> Yeah, Coco. sure, I'll take, the most, I'll take the tier one deck, please. Thank you. It's like, I, I, I don't even know, like, what the deck is. I don't have a desire to play it, but, yeah, I'll take it. I need a deck. So... I end up going, uh, I try to put my daughter to sleep that night, and I end up falling asleep before she does, so I, like, slept in, like, her bed the whole freaking <laughs> night. It was ridiculous. So I wake up Saturday morning pretty well rested, oh. go and make my way down to the tournament, and I get there. Forget your lands? Did you forget your lands? No, 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 I didn't even have a deck yet. <laughs> so it's, like, ten minutes till the tournament, I've got to fill out the deck list. I don't know what's in the deck because it's not a carbon copy of the first place list. And Mike's not anywhere to be seen, so it's like, okay, where the hell is he? He walks in the door, I grab the thing, I start flipping through it. So where this Coco list differed from kind of some of the main stuff that's going on there is it's very, very, it's very traditional in the sense that it doesn't have anything too fancy going on. All it did was it cut a den protector, because most of them are running like one den protector. It cut the den protector and it put uh, the Megamorph blue guy that negates. What's his Stratus name? Dancer. Stratus Dancer. So it just goes two Stratus Dancers main deck. Okay. So I didn't really know what that meant because I didn't know anything about standard <laughs> in, as far as things go. I really didn't know what that meant. The one thing that it did kind of stick out in my head is, well, geez, that's pretty good in the sense that it gives me another flyer. And I remember from reading from the white uh, weenie articles, like the humans deck, that flying is actually a pretty rare thing in this standard format. So I'm like, okay, well, it'd be nice to have an extra flyer. So uh, I get the deck, I put it all together. Um, I don't have any Den Protectors, but I've got that. In my sideboard, I've got three of the Invocation of St. Tr uh, Traft. Uh, that card just seems so terrible. Um, even where it was supposed to be used, it just seems where, so terrible. Where was it? So. My speculation, because I listened to Chapin and Flores talk about it earlier yeah. today, actually, and... Uh, the only time I could think of a deck that you would want it against is the red green ramp. Red green ramp. Yeah, they, that, that's yeah. pretty okay. much. Yeah, it was red green ramp or Esper uh, against Esper. Uh. Yeah, but like in Esper, where you're trying to get it in Esper is you're trying to get it when the Esper deck isn't super single targeted removal, where they're trying to go more mass removal. Okay. So when you're trying okay. to play against like pushes and that kind of stuff, that's where it's going to be. But red green is like. That is the home port. That's where you want it. So, okay, whatever. So I get my deck, I put it all together, and I get uh, matched up against a fellow named Attila Fur. So he is a, he's a good magic player. 
Um, I don't think he's had great success outside of Edmonton. Like he's like, I'm sure he's got PTQ top eights, like the old style PTQ top eights. I think he's got a couple GP caches, but he hasn't really broken outside of the scene. Although if you ask any competitive player in Edmonton about Attila, they know who he is. He's a known quantity. Um, and he was playing the same deck. So I'm like, great, I get to play a mirror against the guy who plays way more magic than me, who practices way more than me, and someone who is probably way better than me at this type of stuff. And I realized that uh, the Reflector Mage is just the freaking broken ass It's so card. good. It's so good. Oh, my God. It's so good because the one thing that I learned about the Bant Coco Mirror is that if both players hellbent at the same time, then it's whatever you have for reach in your deck that's important. But if one player hellbents before the other player, the player who's hellbenting is blowing the other player out. And that's pretty much how it went, where it was just like, I return this to your hand, I've got two creatures, you've got one, my creatures can attack. Uh, Advocate is like one of the best cards in that matchup because Advocate is the biggest creature on yeah. both sides. Like, it just, it, it really plays that role. Early on, it can attack pretty safe, uh, except against Krasis. Uh, but for the most part, it is one of your safer cards, and later on, it is one of your very important cards. So, yeah. It, so, our games go pretty much like, game one, he mulligans and gets stuck on two lands, and it's just like, I bounce all of his shit when he finally does get to play the game, and it's not a game. Game two, he pushes back. Um, he beats me up pretty good. And then game three, it's kind of the same thing where it's just like I run him over. And I, that's the way that those mirror matches really felt at first. So I'm like, well, geez, this is like a really weird mirror match is that all it is is steamrolling. Like there's no, there's no long game. But that's because those games followed the whole Hellbent rule that, you know, I've kind of penned in my head at this point. Uh, so I'll get my first win. I beat a guy like Attila. So it's like I didn't, you know, beat one of the, the fillers in the tournament. I beat somebody who very likely could top eight this tournament. So I was, I was, I was feeling confident right off the start. Uh, we see what the prizes are. The prizes at this tournament are just insane. We had 41 players. They gave out a box to everybody in the top eight. They gave half a box to everybody in the top 20. Like, just insane. And then $490 flight credit for first place. Like, Gross. the person who wins the top eight. So, like, insane prizes. Uh, and that was from Warp 3. And I, I really, really appreciate it. And I guess they were trying to figure out, like, should we do door prizes and everything like that? One of the guys, I think Jared Gashadi, said, no, just give people food and water. So they had water bottles there. They had cookies. They had jelly belly, je uh, uh, jelly beans. They had cinnamon rolls. <laughs> never, they had just never salad. Never salad. Never, never salad. <laughs> Who wants salad? You don't make friends with salad. You don't make friends with salad. <laughs> So, round two, I play against the humans. The humans show up. Uh, game one, human player drops a bunch of little humans. My creatures are better. I bounce things. Life is good. I win. Hurrah. Game two, he gets two creatures. Okay. In the whole game. That's all he has. So, I win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, third round, I play against... Oh, what did I play against in the third round? Third round? Oh, third round, I play against uh, Esper Dragon. Uh, so there's some sort of Esper-like control list. And 
it just goes very, very well. Like at one game, I, I win game one. He's trying to set up all kinds of stuff, but I just have the ability to cast this spell called Collected Company at instant speed, and it does obscene things, and he just doesn't have the ability to keep up with it. Yep. So I get to kill him. And then in the next game, uh, he just, I think he likes, I'm trying to remember correctly, I, I believe that he just doesn't have like any threats at all. So he just kind of churns water, and I'm just casting instant speed creatures on the end step, and I've got negates and all that kind of stuff in my deck now, and I'm just able to kind of play him out of cards and beat him down with little good beats here and there. So just wasn't much of a... Uh, it, it, he really just didn't have anything. Like, he drew, I think, like, the last five turns of the game, he drew lands. So he just didn't have anything to keep up. So uh, feeling very, very fortunate. Definitely at this point, I realized that Things are tilted in my favor. Like, I've got a great deck that can do very abusive things, but on top of it, my opponents have the worst luck ever. Like, I'm just beating people on mana screw, creature screw. I'm beating them on maybe poor mulligan decisions. I don't know. But I'm, I'm very, very fortunate at this point that things seem to be going my way. Uh, round four, I'm really excited because it's a six-round tournament. If I get to do a 4-0, then that means I don't have to play any more magic. And I'm already telling people around me, it's like, I'm not playing this deck optimally. I might be developing bad habits. The best thing that can happen for me is for me not to have to play anymore with the deck <laughs> because it gives me a better chance of not developing bad uh, habits. So I really want a 4-0 so that I can double draw into the top eight. So round four, I run into the red-green ramp okay. player. Uh, game one. He has ramp cards, he, he mulligans the five, he has ramp cards, but he doesn't have anything to All put on the board. All dressed up nowhere to go. All dressed up nowhere to go, I give him the beat, give him the business, and I, I, I win game one. And I'm like, okay, this is the deck I'm supposed to lose to, I took game one, I got this sucker. Game two, he's like advocate, then he drops like, uh, whatever the red-green legend twins are, like they, you can play an additional yeah, land and... Or me and a dead. Yeah, yeah. He drops them, and it's just like, he's got the 5-6, the he's got the 4-4, four, four. like, he's just got these guys, and it's just really hard for me to push through any damage. And we get to, like, turn 6 or 7, and I'm looking at it, it's like, I haven't hit the guy yet. I haven't hit him. So I'm building up my board, and I know he's got, like, a world breaker in hand, and he's got, like, some big stuff ready to come my way. And I'm just like, I just gotta build up my board and find a way to kind of juice through him. And then he goes Chandra minus three. And Chandra minus three it, it, to, to Bet Coco <laughs> is pack up your shit and go home, boys and girls. Because that just kills pretty much everything you've got. Except for Advocate and uh, Avacyn. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, your Advocate now has to fight against the five sevens that are coming out yeah. the next turn. You know, like it's like if you have to go wide against that deck because you're never going to win a one on one fight. And Avacyn is great and all, but four damage just ain't enough. Just ain't enough. And you don't have a ton of them in your deck. You only play with a couple of them. You can't hit them off Coco. So it's actually not the most reliable thing, but it creates these really, really interesting board states also. And everybody's ready for it. So whatever the case may be, I get Chandrid, and that knocks me down to like one guy. I think I had an advocate at that point there, and then he just starts dropping big guys on me, and I'm just like, I, I roll over. Uh, game three pretty much goes the same way. I'm looking way ahead. He's ramping pretty hard. 
He drops a Chandra, minus three, kills my entire board, Ulamogs, and then just starts, like, laying down big guys. And it's just, I'm, like, losing land left, right, and center. I'm trying to Coco and do all these little cute things, but I'm not doing anything. I'm just dying. Like, I have to Reflector Mage, a World uh, Breaker, <laughs> so that he can cast it in a couple turns to, like, murder another land. Like, it's funny, because, like, we played probably nine turns that game, but it was over after turn five. It was one of those. So... Uh, I lose there, and I'm a little sad because, you know, I was really hoping to not have to play any Magic, and I had to play more Magic, and I was, like, really, like, oh, God, like, what, what, like, this isn't good, you know, this guy just, like, smacked me down, and now I have to play in, like, the good people bracket, like, all the good players are up here, I can't sneak through, even though I've been playing against, like, decent, like, competent players, um, I'm, I'm in a bad spot. So next round comes up, and I am playing against the blue-red control, the Goggles deck. And I'm like, okay, Goggles deck. I think I lose game one, but I think I might be able to take it in game two, game three, because I'm running uh, multiple copies of Lantern Scout in my deck, and I've also got uh, the the uh, Hidden Dragon Slayer just as a lifelink creature. So the way I, I look at it is I literally have to race him on life. That's, that's how I win this. Okay. So game one we play, he gets, uh, I think he gets a little bit, uh, he gets like spells like just hampered, like nothing for spells. He gets an early uh, thing in the ice. It never drops below two counters, although for one reason he did for miss a trigger on it at one point. Uh, but I'm able to push past him, kind of beat him up, do a few things. He doesn't get anything that can really compete. But we are at like one point where it's like I'm looking at my life total, I'm at 18, and I look at what's going on on the board, and I believe that with the goggles, he could actually put me to two <laughs> with just a single spell because he can just fireball me for all of his mana and double it up and just nearly kill me. So I'm sitting there just like, I really have to respect this deck because it can do some obscene things. Like, there's a lot of times where it's like he goes and does the, the red uh, X spell from Battle from Zendikar, and he kills off these two creatures, and then he mirrored it so he can kill off two other creatures and, like, ding me for four. So it just, like, he just kills everything and hits me in the face for a crap ton, and it doesn't really cost, it costs him a single card. So it, the deck has the ability to really kind of do some crazy reach things. So I managed to squeeze out game one. Um, he's killing a bunch of my stuff, but again, I have collected company, and the card is really obscene, and it gets you two things, and two things is usually enough, and that's awesome. And then I followed up with the game two, where it's like, I'm going to do the life thing, I'm going to Lantern Scout, I'm going to do all that stuff, and he plays a little bit more of an active game, but he doesn't really get anything to kind of close out the game. He gets a couple things in the ice, but as soon as he gets the things in the ice, his spells kind of disappear, he doesn't really have any way to kind of interact with me, and I'm able to just kind of bounce over his dude. So it just was... I really don't think that the thing in the ice deck really showed up the way that mm. it was supposed to. Which, again, I'm very very, very blessed for that I'm somehow getting everybody at their worst. Uh, so at that point there, I'm X1 going into the last round. The standings go up. I'm third after the last, uh, third after that round. So I'm going to get paired up against Mike Lewis, the guy who lent me the deck, who's playing his brew and is undefeated at this point. And I'm like, okay, well, there we go. I get to have dinner. So we do our little handy uh, handshake and I go for dinner and it's awesome. And come back, and we get placed into top eight. So I get to do a mirror, uh, not a mirror match, but a repeat of my last match, 
I get to play against Blu-ray goggles, but this time I'm playing against Jerry Gashadi. Alleged uh, Moto Ringer, I guess is kind of the best <laughs> title for him. Um, he's not allowed to play Moto, um, at least on accounts that have his name. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we sit down, we have games, and we play like very, very close games. They go really well. Uh, it's, again, just a case of him being able to kill all my stuff. I'm hoping he doesn't get like Chandra's. Uh, the game that he does get Chandra, I die. But we're fighting back and forth. Game three, all I see is that he gets one red land, and then everything else is blue, 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 blue. And I'm just like, yeah, I am so fortunate because I'm not getting blown out by multiple red spells a turn. He can only hit me with one spell a turn. Uh, all right. So uh, that match I managed to win, and I'm really, really excited for that. And then it is, uh, it is actually what I think is going to be the hardest match for me. Because I'm looking over at the other table, and we have the first overall seed, who is uh, this fellow named Enoch, and he's playing Bank Poco, <laughs> and he's got some spice in it, and he's playing against, oh my goodness, what is his buddy's name? Uh, he's one of the, Sean Gifford from Calgary. So one of like the crazy team of like guys who just travel around and like crush grind. events all grind, yeah, hard. grind hard. And he's there. And he's playing Bank Coco. So they're both like on it and I'm watching their game. And Gifford, his innovation is that he's playing the two, three guy that whenever you cast a, a three or less spell, you get to investigate. Bygone Bishop, so he's playing the 2-3 flyer, and he's able to really kind of dominate the air and get a lot of damage in with Bygone Bishop. And it looks like he's playing that uh, versus, uh, instead of playing the Tireless Tracker, whereas the fellow on the other side of the table, um, Enoch, he's playing uh, Eldrazi Displacer in his mm, Okay. So he's brought in the blue-green sh- uh, Painland, and he's also brought in a single waste to find off of his uh, evolving wilds. So he's got the, uh, the, the displacer thing going on. And they're on game two when we finish our third game, and they're at the beginning of game two, essentially. Their match probably went for about an hour and 20-some-odd minutes. <laughs> like, to the point when game two was done, they said, hey... Because it was actually, we played this tournament in a mall, in a, like a, a conference room in the middle of a mall. And it kept, uh, it, it's a great venue because you've got a food court right nearby. Everything's closed off though, so you don't really see anybody. You don't have any bugging you because you're in like this hidden conference room inside this mall. But it was just getting too late. So after their game two, they had to ship them back to the store, the retail store, and play on the little table in there because they had to clean up and vacate the room. But the really crazy thing was game two, there's a situation where the board is like in this insane stall, insane stall. And buddy uh, Enoch manages to ultimate a Jace. And he's casting spells and getting rid of Gifford's uh, cards in his library. And what happens is we get to a turn where Gifford has like 10 cards left in his library, maybe a little bit more. and he is looking at what's going on. His opponent has, uh, his opponent's only at six life, and he's got 
uh, Gifford has like five flyers, like one of them being an Avison. He's got two uh, of the blue counterspell guy. He's got two of the the whatever your bygone thing or whatever. And it's just like he's got this air force, and his opponent has an Avison and uh, has this Albatrazzi displacer. And like, okay, it's like I think you know, like Gifford's looking at. It, he's like, I know it's not going to be this easy. I know I can't just attack and win. Like it's it's never that easy. Uh, but this is also the turn that Buddy had just ultimated Jace, so <laughs> one of the flyers actually wasn't minus two minus zero at this point. So Gifford's like, I don't have another turn. This is my best chance. He draws like one of his because he had something like he was averaging about seven clues a turn. Like, of having, like, seven some odd clues on his side, uh, because he just always had clues because he did multiple bygones out, and he cast a spell, and you get, like, two clues for it, and all this nonsense. So he's, like, he starts burning through his clues, starts burning through what's left of his deck, because he's not anticipating to win another draw step anyways. Goes through, doesn't seem to find what he's looking for, just says, okay, whatever. Caps everything. Everyone gets tipsy, goes into the attack zone. But he holds him up. Drops a, a Krasis, taps down Avacyn, uh, does a few things, and he doesn't have enough lethal in the air. He has enough to put him to two in the air. So all the creatures line up and do blocks. Things die on both sides. You know, it's all sad and everything like that. And Buddy's, like, really happy because when he cast the Krasis, he essentially ran... Uh, he ran... Uh, he ran... Uh, he ran him out of cards. Like, he had nothing left in his deck. So he's going on, and, like, combat's over, and he's, like, really happy. He's really pumped and everything like that. And he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. And Buddy's like, okay, well, Gifford's like, okay, yeah, turn to you, whatever. So Buddy's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, well, I'll untap. And then Gifford picks up his thing. He says, flip Avacyn, flips over the Avacyn, puts it down to trigger. And Buddy's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. And that's the thing is, like, I'm smiling at this point here because I know that Gifford Gifford is going to lose this game if his opponent understands how the game, what's actually happening. If Gifford's opponent understands what's happening in this game, Gifford can't win. But Gifford is seeing his line, he's seen his only way out, and it involves a little bit of Jedi mind trick. So, he's going for it. And... The opponent sit there, and he's, like, talking to himself. He's like, oh, geez, uh, do I have anything? He's looking in his hand. He's looking, and he's like, well, geez, the, 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 the damage trigger's on the stack already, so I can't really bounce the Avacyn, but, yeah, I guess I'll bounce the Avacyn at this point. I don't think it does anything, and it's like, yeah, damage resolves. You lose. They have to go to game three. And it was, like, really wild because we actually had to talk about it after it with, like, the judge and everything like that. I don't think anything illegal happened. But Buddy could have bounced Avacyn in response to the flip trigger. Yeah. And that would have prevented him from losing. But Gifford made the play with, with confidence, flipped it with confidence, did everything with confidence, and the opponent just didn't realize what was happening. So it was, like, really, really awkward because it's like, wow, like, you, you won that game. You won the unwinnable game. So whatever goes on, they go to game three. They play for another freaking half hour. Like, our top eight went for, uh, went for four hours, I think, almost on the nose. Uh, in this time, like, in the fact that when they finished their second game, 
Uh, game three of the semifinals on the other bracket was just wrapping up, and that was Marcel versus Mike Lewis, buddy who lent me the deck. He ends up winning because Marcel and Collective Company don't mix. Uh, Marcel only knows how to get one to zero creatures off the Collective Company. <laughs> not a not not good. So, not a good skill to have. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because they're like, well, blah 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 blah. When do you guys get to play Mike? And I remember like being like, well, that's not true. And they're like, well, no, yeah, they, they finished up. Mike won. One of these two guys are going to play Mike. And I'm like, I get to play one of those fuckers first before they play Mike. Well, whoever plays Mike. I might get to play Mike. I'm still waiting. This is the fucking quarterfinals. We've been here. They finished two matches. Well, this one match is going on. So everybody's watching, waiting for the quarterfinals to match. The game goes back and forth. But Gifford just has the better Air Force. The things are on his side. He kind of has one of those Coco things where he's spending his cards and tempoing out his opponent way faster and his opponent's kind of having mana troubles and it's terrible and he gets run right out. So uh, it's me versus Skipper. Now this is the tough part is that like I'm playing who against the guy who I think is probably the most practiced guy in the room. Like there are some good players who are there but if I had to choose one person in the room that I just didn't want to play uh, it would have been Gifford right from the start. So I have to play him to get to Mike. We sit down, we play game one. Game one just goes obscene for me. I'm on the play. Uh, we play like a couple turns. We get some like mediocre guys down. He gets a turn three, Sylvan Advocate. My turn four, I sit there and hold on to my card. End of his turn, I uh, collect a company. I bounce the Sylvan Advocate back to his hand. Um, in on his he had no he had done turn two Sylvan Advocate turn three Sylvan Advocate so on turn three I bounce I get his Sylvan Advocate one of Sylvan Advocates back to his hand so then on my follow up turn I'm able to bounce another Sylvan Advocate back to his hand um, then he goes and does a play where he doesn't play the Sylvan Advocates in his hand but he plays out something else uh, or he plays he plays a third Sylvan Advocate. On the turn that he's allowed to, but he also plays something else, so he can't get rid of all the other Sylvan Advocates in his hand. And I get another uh, Reflector Mage, so I get my third Reflector Mage, put the Sylvan Advocate back in his hand. So his hand is just Sylvan Advocates, <laughs> and he's got no creatures. And I'm just constantly growing out my board, because I think I've resolved two collected companies at this point. So I just mash face. Um, I had uh, my two-drop 3-3 three, three guy. The uh, I can't remember what his name is. I can't remember what any of the cards are called. But the two-drop 2-2... Two, two, that you can pay three mana to look at Dust the top three cards of your library. Dustwatch Recruiter, who flips into make all of your creatures cost one less. Yep. That card is a massive card in the matchup because, again, what it does is it helps you get to, again, the first little rule that I wrote for myself was whoever gets to Hellbent first wins. When you have him flip, you can cast for three creatures in a turn. You can cast multiple creatures in turn and get the board much more empowered on your side so that you can attack in. Because attacks in that deck are fairly safe. Like, everything bounces off each other. Nothing kills each other. So everything bounces off each other, and if you have more creatures than your opponent, you get damage. So that's essentially how it played out. So, like, really, really huge how that's kind of going. Um, I have this great game one against them. I'm feeling, like, really stoked. Like, oh my god. We go to sideboarding. I've had no fucking clue how to sideboard all goddamn day. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm going, to put in, I'm going to put in the Hidden Dragon Slayer because I know Advocate is an important card in this matchup. It's the creature that whoever's got more Advocates is, has more 
uh, offensive capability. So I want that. I also want to be able to kill Avacyn if it shows up. I want to have the opportunity to do that. Um, I want to have the blue guy because if I flip the blue guy, I can get rid of Declaration of Stone. I know that he's got that. Not to mention I need the extra flyers because I know he's playing uh, the more flyers in his deck. So I play those, um, and I play... I play one Lantern Scout just to have an extra Lantern Scout in the deck, just as a way to maybe race in a lifelink-type situation. So, game two goes on. Game two, we Hellbound at the same time. I'm drawing extra cards through my, uh, whatever that guy you just talked about again was, whatever his name was, the pay three man to look at things. Dustwatch Recruiter. Dustwatch Recruiter, he's doing his clues. Um, I actually had taken out my tireless tractors because I felt like I was going to get more card advantage out of my other things. Uh, I kept some Jaces in and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was able to kind of keep up with that. And we played this long drawn out game. But one thing that he had that I didn't have in my deck or my sideboard was he had tragic arrogance. So he does like a tragic arrogance, kills everything, leaves me with like a reflector mage. All my shit dies, all his shit dies, but he's got a Nissa and he's got a Sylvan Advocate, and then he's able to follow up with a couple more creatures. Uh, lucky me, on the turn that he cast that, I had drawn a Collected Company, so I was able to follow up with Collected Company, but didn't really hit super solid on it. So at that point there, he's able to kind of push me out of the game, and that's that. Uh, one of the things that's really important in this matchup is that, uh, to go back to my Hellbent rule, if both players go Hellbent, and one of the players is in risk of being killed by a tempo play, like a uh, a bounce or a tap or something like that, obviously the person is in, like, better condition. But if you don't get to that point, then it, it's really hard to kind of push back from it. So it was one of those things where it's like neither of us had a, a big life lead, um, so the game just had to take forever. And when we were attacking into each other, we were attacking into each other with, like, 7-7 seven, seven, uh, uh, lands and all this bullshit because we'd have multiple <laughs> advocates out. We'd be making our expert lives. It was, it was really stupid. So we're sitting there, and he's beat me on this game, too. And he beat me on, like, the true mirror game, where we're, like, playing with, like, this super crazy board. Like, the head judge took a picture of it. It was complaining, comparing to, like, green-white mirrors of uh, a few sets ago. Uh, Tarkira, like, where it was just, like, stupid. And it was really, really complicated, and he's just the better player in that situation. He was able to get me out, and he had better cards for the mirror. So game three... We're sitting there, we're shuffling up, and he's like, honestly, this is just going to be one of those games where somebody's going to get a little screwed, the other person's going to blow the other guy out. And I'm like, I'm okay with that, because that's pretty much the only way I'm going to win, because if this game gets drug out, you're just a better player than me. So you're going to win the drawn-out game. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the game happens, he doesn't really have a lot of land, I have land, I have Coco on four for the third game in a row, I have all the best things off my Coco. I just <laughs> just pound the shit right out. Like, it was just, it was one of those things. I went hellbent very quickly, and he did not. So it was really, really tough because, like, he'd been there all day. He had just finished, like, an hour and 45-minute mirror match before he played me to do another mirror match. When the game started, I'm like, that mirror match looked like it took a lot out of you. If you want, you can concede to me now. and not have to worry about playing another <laughs> one. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And, you know, it was whatever the case may be. Uh, so then I end up playing against Mike. He makes a joke about me should, having to give his cards back because he had let me the deck in the first place. 
his brew had gotten him to the finals. Um, he hadn't lost a game of Magic or a match of Magic all day, so he was in really, really good shape. Uh, I managed to get lucky when he tries to languish, and I get to counter it with my blue guy, who's a Megamorph. Um, I get to cast Collected Company on turn four, three games in a row. And, uh, yeah. He uh, Chandra's me, and it kills my stuff, but if he doesn't get the Chandra, then it's not too bad. And he's killing off my one-for-ones, but I'm getting advantage out of any time I can draw a card, I'm doing it. And that's what the deck did. It just drew a lot of cards and got past them. Like, it's a creature deck that can draw a lot of cards. It's a stupid, <laughs> it's a stupid deck. The goddamn PPTQ um, Adventures of Mr. Magoo. Yeah, it was like Doug's comment of, like, I think you asked what I was playing, and Doug said, as the table judge, he was playing <laughs> Very loosely. But I was playing loose, my opponent was playing, like, loose, like, Mike was playing pretty subpar as well, and, yeah, it just came out, so it's like, once the tournament was over, like, I won the game, I'm like, yeah, and he's like, well, thank you, and I'm like, well, what the fuck, that was game, oh, fuck, I, I won this tournament, I won a fucking PPTQ. So I know it's not a big deal to all you fucking super grinders out there, but it's a fucking big deal to me because fuck his standard tournament. Must is fucking nice. standard cup. It's fucking nice. nice. I mean, to most people, you haven't done anything since second in, at the GP, right? Yeah, I've yeah. done nothing. I, I, this I've, is I've huge. Top a this is done. huge. This is motherfucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. It was a really good feeling. I played against very good players. Uh, it was the last one of the season. Um, I get to play in a field tournament now to try and win a ticket to Sydney. So that's pretty sweet. So, yeah. That was my adventure. And then we did a drudge meeting afterwards. So, sweet. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yes. That was my really drawn-out tournament report. <laughs> Mixed with J-typing. Yeah. Uh, was just give some were cards, Yeah. Were any cards under underwhelming? Underwhelming? Uh, the guy's state trap card. Just I don't even know why it was in the deck. Um, in the sideboard, like in the red green matchup, I don't feel like it's what I want to be doing. Uh, maybe it is what I need to be doing, but it just really wasn't very. I mean, it exciting. feels like you race, right? It helps you. It's I do a four four with haste. Yeah, but it. It's a 4-4 with haste, but it's a 4-4 with haste that will probably die. Okay. Or get bounced? I have to put it on a creature, and I have to run that creature into another creature. Now, if I'm running it into no creatures, then it's awesome. But the red-green ramp deck has creatures in it. Yeah. And the creatures that I'm going to put it on are probably small enough to die to many things. So it just it wasn't super great but i understand where it's like this is just this is just a lightning act this is just a way to do four points to the face that he can't stop and maybe it gives me the right type of reach that if i was in a position where i've actually done a bunch of damage that it could close out the game for me but i just feel like the deck has those types of solutions in it already like it might be better than tireless tracker because i just don't have the time to get the tireless tracker engine going but tireless tracker is also a way to kill him with a creature that can fight his creatures because Tireless Tracker has the ability to get pretty yeah. freaking big. Whose so, innovation was this again? What? Well, the attempt at innovation, the, the, the same Trap card. The same Trap card, I think, was just kind of a known technology. Yeah, it's um, not new. I, it, 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 
Yeah, it was like a, this is the way that we have to deal with Red, Green, and Tron, or Red, Green, Eldrazi. Like, it, it's the suggestion that's been put out there because it's a, it's a garbage yeah. matchup, and that's just the only way that they could, that they thought that they might be able to close up the match. So I, I don't think it's really worth the sideboard yeah. slots. I'm not too sure what I would try and shore up with with those sideboard slots. Anything in the main deck but, that you didn't like? Uh, I was really happy with the main deck. Uh, I found that my card that I would cut the most would usually be Tireless Tracker. Um, I really like Tireless Tracker, but okay. again, the way that I felt I was going to win a lot of my matches was trying to be faster and not be um, long drawn out. So I would replace him with things like um, against like the human deck. I would replace him with uh, Lantern Scouts just to get the keep the life going and that kind of stuff. Or uh, Hidden Dragon Slayer against like some of the mid range or bigger decks, uh, or even in the mirror match because I get to kill the cards that are important in the mirror matchup. The cards that are most important are your advocate and, to an extent, your your Abyssin, because Abyssin's a big flyer. You need to be able to kind of kill that thing off. Um, Abyssin leads to some really weird situations where, like, if Abyssin flips, it pretty much kills everything on both sides of the table. So when you cast Abyssin, you kind of don't want anything to die except for Abyssin. So there was, like, times where it's like, I cast Abyssin, had the ability to save a bunch of my guys, but with the trigger on the stack, they kill my Abyssin, and I'm like, thank God. Because if they had killed my Sylvan Advocate, then my Abyssin would have flipped and murdered everything, and it might have been a lot easier for them to, you know, shut down or something like that. Like, I know a 6-whatever, six, 6-5 six, flying nonsense is going to be really, really difficult to deal with, but... I, I actually, um, uh, myself, I looked for those opportunities, because my yeah. card quality was so much lower, I had to look for ways mm. to get more value. So I definitely against like one uh, against one Bant Coco opponent, I killed one of their creatures to force their Avison to flip to kill two more creatures, yeah. and yeah. then was able to deal with Avison. Yeah, and you just have to kind of look for those opportunities because. You know, it is, you pointed out, it is a double-edged sword, Avison. Oh, yeah, it, it was it was really awkward. Like, every time I went to cast that spell, I was just like, I could be my undoing, but people just like to kill Avison, and I'm kind of really cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why people, I mean, it, she's a big old lightning rod, but yeah, she yeah. is a pretty wicked drawback. Especially if you're playing it. Especially against a deck that has, like, mono yeah, three toughness. Yeah. So, uh, that card was... That was kind of one of the things that I ran into. Um, I felt like in the mirror, the most important cards were the guy who flips to make your creature smaller. Um, Avacyn in some really weird spots. Uh, uh, Sylvan Advocate. Those were kind of, like, your main pieces. And then in the long-drawn-out games, it's whatever technology you were using to keep yourself in the game. So, the flip guy. Uh, sometimes it was Tireless Tracker. Um, I really like the guy who had the Eldrazi guy going on because he could do some really obscene things with that. Um, like, there was one point in the Gifford game where Buddy goes and flashes out his own uh, Reflector Mage to bounce Avacyn back to Gifford's hand, which forces Gifford to cast the one that's already in his hand to give his guys Indestructible and kill off the one that's been targeted just so that he has it out in play and is able to kind of keep the pressure on. 
Like, just, it creates a lot of really interesting situations with that displacer. And it's not impossible on the mana base, although it is a little greedier, for sure. Yeah. One of the reasons that I'm excited, I'm considering doing something Abzan or Mardu, or even just Golgari, while with uh, Colorless as, like, a third or fourth color, because you get Trilands. With Painlands, you get Trilands. Mm-hmm. So and you get lands that tap. They they always come into play tapped, and they always provide whatever color you need unconditionally. Yeah. Uh, you pay a life, obviously, but you don't have to worry about like Port Town or the Battlelands meeting some sort of requirement to make sure that they enter the battlefield untapped. They just do it, which is definitely a plus. Yeah, no, I. I... I thought it was really interesting. I don't know actually. if you mentioned it there uh, uh, at the beginning, so I'm really sorry. Um, how many copies yeah. of Jace do you run? Uh, Jace, there was four Jaces. In and the did you love them? Because um, it was previous to this format, when I was playing Bank Company and thought it was one of the best decks, it was one of the more underwhelming cards in the deck. I don't know if that is true or not true anymore. Um, any comments on that? Uh, I cut them at times. Like, I didn't cut them all, but there were, like, I had one match where I cut them all. Uh, but I, I would, like, trim from Jace every now and then. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's terrible, but at the same time, like, it's kind of like, what are you hoping to get out of it, right? Like, when we're, when I was playing the deck, the spells that I could cast off of it was Collective yep, Company. Yep. That was yep. it. But that's enough. Like, if you get to cast a second Collective Company, that's enough to, to shut down a game sometimes. Like, the second Collective Company might just be enough to win the match uh, or win the game. So, I liked him in that spot. I actually really liked him for the card draw. Like, I had one point where we resolved the Jace, like, we did a, a tap on the Jace, and I drew my card, I discarded my card, but we forgot to flip Jace. Okay. Forget to flip Jace, play a couple cards, move on to my opponent's turn. Right in his upkeep, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot to flip Jace. Call the judge over, like, hey, I did something stupid. I didn't resolve the the entire effect, like super GRV. What do you want to do, judge? So the judge went off and did his thing. And at this point here, I've got no spells in my graveyard, and I've got jank in my hand. And they come back to me, and they're like, well, we're not going to rewind it, so he's just going to stay unflipped. And I'm like, wow, like, this is awesome, because I get another loop, and I really I need to just keep pretending to forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, that's the thing, where it's like, for the most part, him flipping is kind of where you want Jace to be, but really, it was, like, huge for him just to, to not flip and keep giving me loots. And then in the creature matchups and stuff like that, his minus two is actually pretty decent, right? Like, that's that's not his, to be his, his fun, but it's... Yeah, his plus. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, his minus two. Oh, minus right, 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 so right, right, right. You're right. Yeah. So, I just keep plusing him, and then if I hit collect a company, it would be like, collect a company, collect a company. Like, I, I'd get to hammer it, and that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but if you cut Jace's, like, I... I don't know if the deck really suffers that much. If you cut Jace's for the flyer, the 2-3 flyer, you might be way better off. So yeah, there there were some people who who were considering bringing back some cheap flyers so that 
when the opponent plays clip wings, you have some other fly to stack, let's say, if they wanted to. Yeah. Protect Aviston. Yeah. Um, and I always thought Jace was kind of sort of bad uh, before, just because I had it. I had the opposite, not that I could cast Collective Company uh, twice. I had like the opposite effect where I would flip it and it would do absolutely nothing. Um, and I was praying yeah. for it. You know, I was hoping somehow that it wouldn't flip. I guess forgetting to know to know that. You never thought of that angle, cheating. did you? I never, I never thought about that angle. Forgetting is cheating. Um, <laughs> well, not forgetting. Forgetting intentionally is cheating. Did you intend so. to forget? Um, yeah, exactly. And the weakness, the interesting thing was the weakness of the previous format was the, it was a challenge to find a one or two drop to replace Jake. Now, I, I, I've, I've yeah. put in uh, the Warden of the First Trees, which I felt did a pretty good job, but they were always awkward with tap. Tap mana, I'm sorry. Tap mana and not enough untapped forest like green sources in the whole deck. But here, this, this new format introduces Duskwatch Recruiter, good old 2-2 for 2. So I think with him and the Sylvan Advocates, I think I might just, and I'm, I'm looking through these lists, some people just play 2 Jace. I think I would get away with, at least from my starting point and based on my experience with the deck before and just listening to you now, uh, just reiterate a lot of the same issues that I had with it. Doesn't really change my opinion, so I would start with a minimal amount and uh, work work from there. And I think that's what I'm going to start doing, testing this week, testing for, like helping people out for the GP. Uh, though I'm not going to be playing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also had Dramokus Command in the deck. <laughs> that's, that's why, like, people, yeah. I'm totally was not surprised that this Bant Coco deck was the best deck at least this weekend. It's the deck that plays Dramoka's Command, Ojatai's Command, Coco, Avison, yeah. Jace. Uh, Ojatai's Command that I had in my deck was really black lackluster. Yeah. Like, you know what? Sideboard would be great to have against maybe the red-green deck, or even against, like, the uh, the uh, Esper Dragons type deck, because you can just hold it up for that, that dragon that you need to deal with. That um, seems good. Yeah, that seems good. Yeah, so it, it's really strong in that spot. But when I played against, like, the white-blue humans oh, uh, list... Uh, well, it, well, no, I played... I didn't play against... Yeah, I played against white-blue humans, and I had a couple spots where it's like, I'll fight your creature and make you sacrifice an artifact. Or make you sacrifice an enchantment. And you sacrifice the enchantment before the creatures fight, because it's ordered that way on the card, so... Like, I get to kill your enchantment and kill your creature. I got blown out by the mode I forget Dramogus Commands ha has with the prevent all damage an instant or sorcery would deal. When I went yeah. to burn within, burn from within, I just tapped out, like, deal your Jace 7. And he's like, Dramogus Command. And I'm like, ah, oh, no! Anyway, we are a little over two hours. Are we? Yeah, yeah, I have... 217 in my recording. Holy shit. Holy shit. Lots of magic content. Yeah, we talked about magic cards. Yeah, KYT, welcome back. Glad you're not fired. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> could could be by the time the show releases, who knows? Ah, <laughs> uh, that won't happen. We'll riot if it does, okay? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, you can always sell yeah. magic cards on TCG player. <laughs> That's true. Jay can tell you everything about it now. Yeah, you're damn right. I'll teach you all about TCG player. <laughs> Actually, a pl- somebody like me, I just buy lists. I don't even bother with TCG player selling things. Too much work. Yeah, so fuck that. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so this has been ATM 274. I'm Matt Mendoza, Jay Boosh, KYT. Don't forget about the contest. Jeremy Schofield. Don't forget about the GoFundMe. We've got a GoFundMe still going. GoFundMe.com slash ATM Toronto. GoFundMe. And then our... Thanks, everyone, but thank you so much. Yes. Super close to the goal, Um, like, shockingly. um, I was pretty confident, but, you know, it wasn't... It was pretty slow to start, but uh, to be we're as close as we are now, I mean, it means a lot to to us and, and even me just to be able to see these two guys in Toronto means the world to me to be able to uh, be together as a, as a foursome and along with Scotty. So it uh, means a lot. Yeah, and we will do a special shout-out. Thank you to everybody who brought us uh, on next week's show. The uh, that that basically is the pre-Toronto show, right? It comes out Thursday, and then Toronto is Friday. So yes. uh, we definitely want to do that. And then the contest, we have a storytelling contest. Uh, I'll save all the characters. Basically, it's a writing prompt. You just tell me a story. We'll read it on the uh, stream on Friday on Friday in Toronto. Jeremy will play more than one character, and if we need to bring wigs and stuff. For him to play every single character. I'm not buying. Oh, I know. Don't worry. But uh, just saying. We can do that. And uh, all the characters and stuff, all the prompts will be in the show notes. But uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.